Welcome to Savvy Sab's podcast on call-in. This is episode 87, Syria sanctions backed by the squad. The squad, along with corporate Democrats, have voted not to lift sanctions on Syria after a devastating earthquake. Does economic sanctions matter for those who claim to be anti-war? Does anyone care about brown people abroad? So let me know what you guys think, especially in reference to the squad's votes about this as well. I mean, it, I think it's a, a very clear statement. I know a lot of people have been talking about how they voted in reference to sending money to Ukraine, but this particular vote here to not lift sanctions on a country where people are already starving, where people are struggling and they're dying there, I think this speaks volumes about their so-called uh, anti-war message. So let's go ahead and bring in Karthik. You are on the mic. What's up? Oh, I'm sorry. I think he hung up. It's me, not you. You guys would think I would have this down by now. Okay, there we go. What's up? Oh, oh. hey, Savvy, what's up? Um, so in terms of your question uh, on the sanctions, um, I, I feel like, I don't know, maybe I could be delusional, but it feels like some things are changing. But I know for a long time, it seemed like, not, I, I, I don't mean just progressive media, but I mean just like, you know, progressive circles like voters, you know, just regular people like me and you. They, I feel like people used to think that like, oh, saying like, you know, war, you know, invading a country is bad, but, you know, sanctions are fine. You know, it's, it's like the more, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a less violent option, I mean. And I feel like maybe people are slowly realizing how devastating sanctions are, you know, because of anti-imperial journalists like you. But in terms of the progr- the Congress people, the politicians, I feel like they, they've always supported sanctions. Like, I know, I, I forgot what word, but I, I, I know Bernie has like a long like lifetime career record of supporting sanctions everywhere because he thinks it's better than, you know, bombing people, which I, I guess it is. It's really interesting. The way that I like to describe sanctions is like versus uh, war on the battlefield, people being bombed or people having economic sanctions. It's like if you are bombed, you're killed instantly, right? So it is a very quick death. But if you have sanctions implemented on you, it's a slow death. It's like you're standing in front of a bus that is coming at you very slowly. But eventually, you know, that bus is going to hit you. That's how I kind of see like these sanctions, because like most people that I've spoken to outside of like independent media space, they don't even know these things are happening. Like they when I talk to them about like sanctions, when I talk to them about like U.S. sanctions against like Afghanistan, because children are starving in Afghanistan, most people I talk to have no idea this is even happening. And so that tells you something, too, about the media space in reference to mainstream media, because mainstream media, they're not talking about these things. They're not showing you these images that Mint Press News is covering when they're on the ground there and they're showing you that there are children who are starving. And I used to watch these infomercials that used to come on late at night. I don't see them that much anymore, but they used to be like these infomercials would come on late at night. And there was that old, the older white dude who would stand in front of the camera and say, these kids need your help. With just $5 a month, you can adopt a child. And basically you would donate your money monthly to kids like in Africa. And they would show you pictures of like starving kids in Africa. And it's like, 
they would show you that side of it, of poverty in those countries. But they would never, you would never see that same gentleman come on TV and say, these kids need your help because the U.S. government has implemented sanctions on their country and therefore they're starving. That would never happen. <laughs> Not on mainstream TV. Yeah, I think like when a lot of people think of sanctions, like I, and even like, you know, like at least like the, the part of the left that does support sanctions, like I'm not even sure they understand what they really think. You know, they, they probably think it's like it's like people are, you know, uh, unable to buy like Oreo cookies or Advil or something. Some people don't realize it's as bad as it is because they just you're right. Like some of them think it's OK. Well, there are certain things that they can't buy anymore, but they don't realize that these people are getting like limited food, like to the point where we talked about this before with Afghanistan. We talked about it tonight with Syria, but the U.S. the U.S. government has implemented sanctions on so many countries. I have to go back. I'm going to cover that again. There was a list. I went through all of it going all the way back to like the 1930s. Like the, the U.S. has had their hands in almost, it feels like almost every freaking country in reference to trying to either steal their resources or trying to starve their people or kill their people. Yeah, and I, I know uh, not Syria, but specifically Yemen, which is also heavily sanctioned by the uh, NATO countries. Like I, I heard Rania Kalik say that she thinks that like more people in Yemen have died because of sanctions rather than uh, drones. That could be true. Uh, someone just put in the chat, cue the Sarah McLaughlin music. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Um, that could be true because like it's, again, Yemen is another one that is not covered by mainstream media, not based on what I've seen. And I know we've covered it before on RBN. JB covered it um, extensively in a stream one day, just showing people the pictures of this is what is happening in Yemen because Mainstream media, I think, doesn't talk about it because of our relationship with Saudi Arabia. And it was the U.S. government that gave arms to Saudi Arabia. And those arms were used to kill people in Yemen. So it's essentially almost like a genocide, uh, so to speak, what they did to the Yemen people. And you, if you remember, Bernie Sanders was trying to bring that bill to the floor recently to stop that. Oh, I remember Yemen. that. And then he decided not to because he got pressure from Biden's administration saying, don't bring it to the floor because it won't pass and it's not going to look good. Did you hear what he said also? He said, oh, well, you know, I'm not going to bring it up this week, but, you know, I'm working with the White House to bring it up later in the future. Right. Meanwhile, those people are still dying. Yeah. And and many, so yeah. There's, there's a lot of hypocrisy. Like when I see people like Hakeem Jeffries and I see people like, uh, who else is saying we'll continue? Oh, Joe Manchin has said it publicly, like we'll continue to send money to Ukraine for as long as they need it. But they don't have that same opinion about sending money to people in these other countries like Syria and Somalia and and Afghanistan and Yemen. Like they would never feel that way. And it's just, again, it, it goes back to something I've been talking about before is like, I feel like people don't care about brown people abroad. They don't care about brown people in these countries they don't care about helping those countries at all and that includes our government yeah i think like one of one of the reasons is because like you know they're like dirty muslims that we can't relate to but you know people in ukraine are white so like it's it's easier to uh relate to them so do you think christianity has a part in this as well because that was another question that came up is like well the people in ukraine aren't they like 
you know, Christians or, or whatever. And whereas people in those other countries that you mentioned, they're more likely to be Muslim. And then that goes back to another uh, line of questioning. What does religion have to do with this? Uh, I guess obviously, you know, I'm just one person, but I don't know. Like, I, I think that's some part to play. Like, in, in, I, I, maybe it had more part to play in the war on terror, obviously, uh, like 10 years ago. Um, but I think this is just, you know, part of the uh, uh, MIC, you know, the military industrial complex. Um, and in terms of sanctions on Syria, like, I'm not really surprised because like, I know the squad hasn't been there for a long time. But the other progressive, you know, like Bernie and Elizabeth Warren, they, they've always supported sanctions on like any country, whether it's Syria or Afghanistan or, um, you know, uh, Yemen or anything, or uh, I mean, uh, Venezuela as well. So it's like, it would be shocking if they didn't support it. Because yeah. they all act like um, that sanctions aren't that bad. Like, I, 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 I forgot, it was like a few years ago, I think, I think a reporter asked Bernie if he supported um, bombing, I don't know, what, some specific country, I forgot which country, it's probably the Middle East. Um, and then Bernie said, no, I, I don't support any invasion or bombings, but I, I do support sanctions. So like, I just think they don't think that um, sanctions are that bad. That's absolutely terrible. It really is because like I still consider and I know some people disagree on this, but I still consider sanctions to be an act of war. Um, and I, I think there's different types of war. There's economic war. There's also the physical war, of course, on the battlefield. But I do consider sanctions to be a part of war. And I, I know some people will disagree with me about that and they'll support uh, sanctions, but they'll be against winning on the battlefield. Yeah, no, yeah, I don't, like, I, I think when they think of sanctions like that, it's just a word to them, like, they they, they, they don't really think about what it means, and, like, I, 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 don't, I don't mean the politicians, because obviously, like, they all know, you know, they, they all, have, they have much more information than we do, but I, I'm talking about, like, you know, the people that do support it back home here, because um, I know, like, historically, like, uh, uh, left media has, has always um, supported sanctions pretty much for the most part, and I, I think on Syria, it was easier to sell because remember Syria was sold as like a uh, humanitarian war, you know, kind of like Libya was. And it's like, okay, we, we need a bomb or a sanction Syria, you know, because there's this, there's this uh, dictator uh, Assad who's so bad and, you know, killing his people or something. So I think that's why in Syria was very easy to sell the invasion and occupation and uh, sanctions. That's interesting. I also think back to, when I think about a country like Iran, because I have a friend who's from Iran, I have friends like Boston's like Boston has a pretty big uh, international community. And so I have a friend from Iran. I have a couple of friends that are from Palestine and all of them have told me they can't even go back home. Like even if they wanted to go home and visit their family because their family members aren't all here in the U.S., they can't even go home for like the holidays to visit their family members. That's how bad it is. And I just think it's, it's just like it's uh, there are so many other things that happen in this country or not in this country, but that happen in those countries that I think a lot of Americans just aren't even aware of because they're not doing the research on it or they feel like if it's not happening here, it's not their concern. That's another thing I hear a lot from people. If it's not happening next door to me, if it's not happening in this country, then I don't really want to know about it. And that's that's unfortunate because I always say that foreign policy is domestic policy. 
you can see like things that happen abroad affect us eventually here. And I think that if more Americans were paying attention to what's happening in these other countries, I think then they would have more resentment towards the actions of our U.S. government. Oh, don't tell the uh, NATO left that, you know, you'll get into a debate with them. But <laughs> of specifically Syria, um, like, because I'm guessing the sanctions are what, what one of the reasons why Syria has been uh, uh, unable to, um, you know, I guess, heal since the earthquake, unlike Turkey, because Turkey is, you know, considered part of the West, I guess, you know, they're part of uh, NATO and stuff. Yes, it's it's hard to rebuild if you are being crushed economically. It's like like they talked about on the video, the buildings that were destroyed and some of them were like new construction. They said these buildings shouldn't have fallen in the first place. And they said, we don't even have the equipment to clear up the rubble. Like we don't have the resources that we need that are necessary to get rid of this mess. And I would link that back to the sanctions as well. It's like, again, they've, they've crushed, the U.S. government has crushed these countries economically to the point where they can't stand on their own. And it's, it's really sad. Yeah, and last thing before I go, or this might be the wrong question to ask today, but, and it's probably complicated, but so I know that Russia, because of the war, has been heavily sanctioned by many countries. Like, do you know why, like, the, uh, Russia is still doing pretty well even though it's being heavily sanctioned? Their economy is um their economy is thank you. Their economy is a lot better than some of these other countries that have been sanctioned. So I think they're they like don't, still selling oil, you know? Like yeah. you, you have this hilarious thing where where like they're still selling oil and gas to like Germany and 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 these other countries and we're supposedly at war it's like but yeah i think that's a big part of it they have a, a big oil economy and everybody's gonna buy oil right like they they're i mean as far as that goes they're they're still able to do what they need to do like yeah i mean they're still getting hurt somewhat but like i said like economically they're doing better than those other countries okay thanks abby good talk next time All right. There was um, Sula Moon in the um, in the in the chat here had kind of an interesting comment saying that I she said I I kind of half support sanctioning Israel, and so that there is that kind of um, um, interesting I don't know if you call it an angle or an interesting discussion to have, you know. So we're we're very much against sanctions and don't like them, but we we do tend to want to support um, BDS. Um, so it, it can also be kind of a, a an angle to, to talk about. I mean, for me, it, I think it, it's such a different type of sanctions that that we're talking about it against Israel. It is really almost more like a, more like an economic boycott of certain products, you know, than it is real sanctions against Israel. Um, but uh, but there is that part of it, and, and sanctions are you know whereas with these other countries, sanctions truly are um, siege warfare. Yeah, I don't think you know Nick has talked about this often before. The sanctions, like when we talk about BDS, like that's a different. It's a different thing. I have that written down somewhere. I'll have to look it up because I know I did take notes on that before, but um. I'll have to look it up and see exactly what it said, but I do remember that 
the BDS sanctions are different compared to the sanctions we're talking about. It's like Israel will be fine. <laughs> That's right. All right, let's bring Rob. Rob, you are on the mic. What's up? Hey, Sabby, how you doing? Can you hear me? I can hear you. All right, yeah. Um, yeah, as far as uh, the sanctions, I mean, yeah, I think they're total bullshit. Um, I was kind of thinking, I was going to say the same thing about maybe Israel being the only one that deserves them. Um, and the, the, the difference between BDS and sanctions is BDS is just you voluntarily not buying a product because it comes from Israel. But sanctions say no one can buy products from Israel. And if you do, we're going to punish you. So, like, if you go to help Syria right now, your company would get punished for doing it under the sanctions. So BDS is just is just you deciding, oh, I'm not going to buy, you know, couscous from Israel. I'm going to buy it from some other country. And it's not... It's not forced on you, basically. That's that's the main difference. And then New York wants to prevent anyone from doing BDS. Um, that I've, just what I've heard, at least. But um, and as far as Russia with sanctions, they make like eighty percent of their stuff or sixty percent of their stuff. Plus, they're getting in with India now. They're sell, they're selling natural gas to India, China. They sell their oil in tankers. They can just go to Kuwait. And like throw a little Kuwaiti oil in there, and now it's a mix, and then they can sell it to Europe because it's not it's not technically Russian oil anymore. So they they get around it, but they they do a lot of stuff on their own. They've never really depended on everybody else to do things. So they they're super strong over there. The prices are low. They have everything. Um, I watch a lot of RT. I get a lot of you get a lot of stuff uh, information on Africa there too. They just. Uh, they just sent over a big t- uh, shipment there of uh, fertilizer to Malawi um, just to help them free. Um, and they were really thankful for that. Um, but as far as uh, as far as your guest there, Margaret, with the rally, um, we keep getting back. It seems, it seems like we keep going in circles. But I don't think we should look at people's past when they, when they speak at this rally. I, I think we should look at what they said. And I was there and I, 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 you know, I could get a sense of the crowd and the crowd was never against any of the speakers. Like the speakers never were given a pro-war message. It was always an anti-war message. So no matter what they did in their past, at least they showed up to this anti-war rally and gave an anti-war message. I mean, I, I don't know if anyone can show me, you know, one of their speeches where it was pro-war, but I don't think it exists. Um, so I think yeah. we should like, that's, that's an important thing. And then also a good, a good metric of having a good rally would be a lot of people showing up. So like if a million people showed up, that would be really good. That would get attention, you know, like a, a local news copter would have to fly over and report on that. So what if it was, what if it was Trump? What if Trump wanted to come to that rally and give an anti-war message and he, that's, that's all he did. He just gave an anti-war message. And because he was there, a million people showed up. And maybe the war ended because of it. Would that be such a bad thing? Like, is, is anybody against that? Because we, we can't argue about this other crap we want to argue about if, if World War III happens. 
You know, we can't worry about, oh, the libertarians, they don't line up with us on everything. You know, it's like, it's not going to matter when we're all dead. We we can fight with the libertarians after we get this uh, war out of the way that everyone seems to want to start. So, yeah, I, you know, that's why I did, I did ask her, like, what would be the red line? Um, because some people do have one and, you know, Chris Hedges has talked about this recently, actually. Um, but that's why I asked, like, what would be the red line? And I think you have a good point when you bring up the past, because listen, none of us are, (laughs) none of us are angels here. We all have a past. (laughs) We all have, have said things and done things. Hey, people could take shots at me for voting for Obama. Like it just... (laughs) You know, I I think the point is that people would grow and evolve. But I think, you know, I I think this is where her and I disagree because I personally like. I again, when I organize with people, I'm organizing based on the action at that time. So for the Julian Assange rally, for example, there are a lot of people that came to that that I don't even know where they were. Uh, politically. I don't know where they stand politically, but I know that they were anti-censorship and I know they wanted to free Julian Assange and I know they advocated for free press. Yeah, it's all that matters, right? That's right. I, I mean, it's 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 hard when you do like these litmus tests. And I get what she was saying. She was saying that like, where are those people going to be with us after this rally is over? I totally get what she's saying, like in reference to the other issues. But the thing is, most people are not going to align with you on all the other issues. That's the problem. Like I have people like right now, there's people on the left who they may agree with me on some of the issues, but they don't agree with me on on all the issues, especially when you talk about war. We have people who consider themselves to be leftists right now that are not anti-war. And, and they've, they've stated this publicly. So it's like it's very difficult when you're when you're trying to organize for something that is going to affect every single person versus when you're trying to organize for something that only uh, affects a select group of people. For example, the Medicare for all marches, healthcare is something that affects all of us. Like we all need healthcare. So as a result, naturally there were going to be people that were involved in those marches that weren't necessarily on the left. I mean, like I said, Dr. Joseph Jarvis is a conservative. He doesn't hide that. He's been on multiple shows talking about this, but he agrees with Medicare for all. And he was a medical doctor and he said, we can absolutely do it. And he said it would save us money. So he was a speaker at the DC rally for Medicare for all. And I think, do I agree with him on other some of the other issues? No, but I think it would have been a mistake not to have Dr. Joseph Jarvis speak at that rally because that was showing people, hey, there really are some conservatives that do agree with Medicare for all. And he's one of them. So I think that was a way to bridge like that divide. The other problem that we run into, Rob, is the left is small. The left is not large in this country. This is not Denmark. Yeah, and it likes to divide itself up into even smaller chunks. So, you know, what are you going to do? And that makes the turnout smaller and that decreases the numbers. And I think the reason why, like I I was at the Rage Rally. I thought the numbers were good. Could they have been larger? Yes, they could have been larger. But that's been the largest protest that I have attended since the George Floyd protest. And so what does that say? You know, 
So I have a question. Is there anything that was said at, on the stage at, at the Rage Against the War Machine rally that anyone could really point to any critic to say, you know, this was this was way out there. See what I'm talking about? I say no way. I mean, you would have heard the crowd react negatively. I mean, yeah. the only boo you heard was when like somebody wanted to get a boo reaction from the crowd and yeah. they just, you know, set them up. But it wasn't. It was nobody went like off off course or anything like that. I think Savvy would agree. No, no one went in that direction. And I think even when Jill Stein, when Jill Stein spoke. She said, uh, we do obviously understand what the Ukrainian people are going through. And Jill Stein was smart to point out both sides. Like she did say that this started back in 2000, you know, 2014. And she talked about the history of it, which I think is important for people to hear. She went on to say that, you know, Ukraine, um, Russia did invade Russia. Excuse me. Russia did invade Ukraine. And she said like that they were wrong to do that. She said, but also Ukraine provoked, they provoked Russia. So I think it was a message that I think a lot of people needed to hear. And of course, Rachel Maddow wasn't going to play that. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and then did, did, did Hinkle, like, like Hinkle can sometimes probably kind of cross the line for most of us as far as maybe being almost like pro, actually pro Putin, maybe, but you know, like, I didn't really, I'm not sure I really listened or heard his speech, but did he say anything that, that they could say cross that line? No. No, yeah. He, he he dialed it back, you know, he just, you know, just focused on, you know, ending the war kind of thing, you know, not not yep. like, how, you know, I'm going to rub your face in it or, you know. Yeah, he, he didn't say any of that. No one did, actually. Like, but of course. Yeah, I didn't think so. She would have heard about it. Yeah, yeah. And for people who did cover it, like, it was so interesting, though, that people who weren't even there were trying to tell me what happened. <laughs> like, right. Like, I was right there from the beginning to the very end. So it, it was just, it was really weird to me. And I don't know. I, I know some people on the left don't feel comfortable, like, organizing with people on the right, even over an issue like being, like, anti-war. I understand that. But at the same time, a lot of the progressive policies affect the majority of people. So it's like, when you say we need Medicare for all, that's for everybody, not just people on the left, right? Oh, yeah. So you don't want those people to be involved? It's just that that's the thing. I, I think, and I get it, like, you're not going to agree with them on every issue. I totally understand that. But going back to the George Floyd protests, most of the protesters out there didn't agree with me on Medicare for all. Most of them didn't agree with me on any of these progressive policies. And in fact, after Trump lost, they went back home because they thought that electing Joe Biden was the, the resolution, the resolution to end police brutality. So that's, that's how much of a difference there was there. <laughs> right. Right. So that's, that's the thing. And, and, you know, and, and vice versa. So you, it's really hard to get people that agree with you on everything. And then even if you do, then you end up with other litmus tests. Well, you shouldn't have this speaker or uh, it should be organized this way, or you're not doing it the right way, or it's not strategic. And it's always from these people who are cat callers. They're not involved. They don't participate. They're not activists, but they want to sit back and they want to pretend to be the peanut gallery 
and they want to call shots and tell people how it should and shouldn't be done. But these people don't organize at all and they never participate. That's the thing that kills me. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it drives you nuts. You see it on the chat all the time. It's, it's people it's say, like, if, if you are being in good faith and you have genuine concerns, okay. Did you reach out to any of the organizers to express this? No. no. <laughs> Did you reach out to offer to help? No. So that's Just where be I, there. You know, yeah. it's, it's like JB said uh, when he when, when he had Jimmy on, and he was like, you know, you got you got to go out there and meet people and change their minds. You know, that's that's how these things happen. You can't you can't sit back at home and just you know criticize everything you gotta you gotta make the difference J, that jb he comes up with some good stuff you guys are you guys are talking about uh what maga means and everybody was trying to like guess what it meant and uh jb in the chat he's like why don't we just ask them what they meant by it <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a really good point yeah i know it's it's just there just seems to be so much fear in this country as to like, don't talk to that person. Don't talk to this person. Only talk to the people on your team. Well, I feel like in reference to the progressive movement, we practice talking to people on our team and then the people on our team sold us out. So <laughs> where right. did that get us? <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's really scary when you think about it. It's, it's, it doesn't look good. So, no, uh, it's just one of those things. Go ahead, Eric. So speaking of, of people doing their own thing, so we, we do have, I guess it's in a couple of weeks or so, the one organized by um, by Code Pink, the, an answer coalition. So I guess another bit of a topic can be like, what do what do people think of that? Yeah, yeah I mean, I... I have mixed feelings on it myself because, uh, you know, what they did to this rally. But I, it's like I don't want to I don't want to do the same thing. I'm, I'm probably not going to go to it just because just because of what it cost me just to go to the last rally. It was, you know, I was like I think it was like 60 bucks just in tolls each way. And then probably another, you know, it's probably like 200 bucks with gas and tolls just driving back and forth. And then where would you come in from? From from Massachusetts. Yeah. So, you know, right. oh, you too. OK. <laughs> and like the train, the train is like four hundred dollars or something like that. So it's you know, there's yeah. no good options to get down there. And I took the whole family. I, I couldn't get the whole family to go again. I'd have to go solo. But yeah, they increased the uh, they increased the train costs. Oh, I noticed that too. Like that did increase, and I was like, uh, yeah. So it looks like I'll be driving because, especially if you're bringing items with you, that's the other thing that's hard. People are like, well, you should just fly. And I'm like. I really can't bring posters and all this stuff. Yeah, right. Like that's that's the thing. Like I know Misty drove all the way from Ohio. Right. Yeah, because she had all of that stuff that she was carrying with her. So I think that's a big part of it too. But I mean, like, I wish I could go to DC like often for these rallies, but most of the time, like, I really can't just because it's expensive. It really is. Yeah. It totally is. I, I mean, I hope they do one in Boston, and I'll I'll, I'll go. To, I'm going to go to the uh, the workers' rally this this weekend. So I'll be I'll there Saturday. Come up for workers' strike back. Yeah, yeah. I will be there, but I will be late. Um, All right, cool. But I'll be there. 
And yeah, I'm, I'm planning on being there with Corey and, um, uh, yeah, we can turn it into a little, into a savvy meetup. Sounds good. So all Sounds the good. sapsters in the area come, right. come down Jamaica Plain, say hi. We'll see what happens. I think I'll need it after the debate. I'm, I'm debating Norm Finkelstein, uh, right before that. That's why I'll be late. Um, so that should be interesting. That's not on my channel. That's actually for an event a convention that's taking place in the summer, but there are some things they're pre-recording now. And then you guys, I'll let you guys know when that's all posted and aired and stuff, but there's going to be a lot of people that are part of that convention, but yeah, I, I have to do I'm not going to be able to see that for like weeks or something. huh? You're not going to see that till June. <laughs> oh, <geez>. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. I know. I know. I, I thought when he, when they, the organizer asked me to do the debate, I thought this was happening it, it was happening in the convention uh, at Ju in June, and he was like, oh, no, I want to go ahead and do it as soon as possible and record it. And I was like, what? I was like, damn. So <laughs> so I'm sorry. You guys will have to wait for that. And we got uh, Terry Molly 22 saying uh, she's going to be there. I'll have to meet up. Yay. Hello, is Dave, Dave Human going? He'll probably be there. That is awesome. I look forward to, to seeing you guys. Um, so it should be a good time. Yeah, Dave's going to be there. All right. Sounds good. But yeah, I think that's the thing, Rob, is just like, you know, there's, there's, there's so many questions here. And I think that with this particular situation in Syria or with this legislation, I feel like I want more people to talk about the way they voted on this because I really do feel like people are running cover for them. Like I know some people are being, you know, vocal about them, but I feel like a lot of people are running cover for the squad and they are not talking about this at all. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't know about the, if it's like, if it's a Christian thing or not, cause the, uh, the Cubans are probably a lot of Christians there and probably in Venezuela as well, but they're, they're under heavy sanctions. I mean, so Cuba's under sanctions forever for, something they did a million years ago that we've we've forgiven russia for it but we somehow can't forgive cuba for it you know it's 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 crazy i mean the sanctions are nuts it's, it's well, cuba north, has... north korea too you know yep. we did a story on north korea yeah it's all sanctions and then people love to point out they go oh look how look how horrible these communist countries are and it's like yeah well they they can't get basic goods because they're all in the sanctions so don't it's not an even comparison when you when you do that and that affects imports and exports too, by the way. Everything, yeah. You can't you can't trade with them. You you you'll be blocked. Like your your bank access will be cut off if you do any, you know, above board trading with these people that they can see. So it's it's crazy. You can't you can't help them out after an earthquake or you know, it's it's nuts. I know, I know. This is crazy, and I want people to understand that the U.S. government is like starving people, man. They're starving people like and we're surprised they don't want to help us like look what they're trying to do with the SNAP benefits. That's why I talked about that earlier. Like this is ridiculous. Like the grocery store prices are still high and they're decreasing SNAP benefits. Yeah. Yeah, that's not, that's not what people need right now. Not oh, at all. Not at all. So I'm just looking at the uh, Peace in Ukraine website. So for the for the code picky. Excuse me, for the code pink event. It's uh, peaceinukraine.org. 
And so in addition to the DC event, they're currently like listing on kind of their calendar um, events the same day in Chicago, Detroit, um, Ann Arbor, uh, San Francisco, and LA. It's, they're showing currently on the site. So they are talking about doing satellite events across the country. And then they're showing like all kinds of groups in all different cities. And, and they're trying, it looks like they're trying to organize people. And Boston is in there. It, okay. It's not listed as an official event yet, but they're having, they have like an, a Boston at Answer Call Coalition email and, and, and phone numbers. So it looks like there will be, at least they're trying to do a lot of satellite events. And did, cool. did I see that they were trying to organize transport transportation from other cities yeah. to D.C.? Yes. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. Yeah. So that was that was pretty good organizing there. Um, if there's one in Boston, I'd love to go to that one. I think the 18th, I think, is when I'm, I'm supposed to be celebrating with my friends. But uh, we'll see. Uh, hopefully they would announce that sooner rather than later, though. Yeah. So I'm not sure yet if this listing is for it event or just transport so i don't see a boston event officially listed yet okay then at this point in the game there probably isn't going to be one in boston based on the timeline i'm just looking at it's already march 7th so yeah yeah have they list, listed their speakers yet or no well well i did ask didn't i ask Mar yeah oh i did ask her about that and she said that um it's not so much like these high profile speakers, but people from different organizations that are a part of the rally are going to speak. So like um, Black Alliance for Peace and um, uh, Code Pink, like they'll have different speakers, but it's right. not going to be like, um, like how it was for Rage Against the War rally. That being said, though, I think it is kind of sad that in order to get people to come out for some of these events, like you have to have a high profile speaker where people just won't turn out. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it nice. It's nice. It definitely helps. Um, you know, I, I don't see why high profile people shouldn't be coming out to these things. You know, you know, Woody Harrelson's going to speak out against COVID. He should be able to like come out and speak out against war or something like that. You know, it shouldn't, shouldn't be that much of a shot. You know what I don't get is, I don't know if you saw Jimmy on Tim Pool, but yeah. J Jimmy, I mean, uh, Tim Pool, he does that, that live stream and he gets a huge audience every night. And I don't know how, but, and he's supposed to be a journalist, like an ex-journalist from Vice, I believe. And he's got this huge audience, but it takes Jimmy to come on for him to mention that anti-war rally. Like, I don't get that. Like, I don't get why he's not like, talking about that thing every day on his show like trying to get people there but you know what do i he's just a journalist you know from vice so i guess it takes jimmy to fucking educate him on that shit well is tim pool anti-war i don't know if he is i don't i i mean why would why wouldn't you be like i'm about who's like how do you say you're pro-war? I mean, I don't know. And that, and I get, I totally, I didn't get white privilege from like my perspective, but I watched that show and I totally get white privilege. I mean, that, that Ian Crossland guy is such a moron. Um, they're talking about healthcare at an hour and 13 into that Jimmy show. And they say the stupidest shit. They Ian says, uh, 
that he wants at the emergency room. Like if you're in a car accident, you break your leg, you're fine. Come on in the emergency room. But if you eat really bad and you need a medication, no, thanks. I don't want to pay for that. And he looks over to Tim Pool and Tim Pool's like, I agree with that. And then they cut over to Jimmy and Jimmy goes, guys, you know, there's such a thing as a food desert, right? And uh, they're just like, duh. But I just, I just couldn't believe that they like, they didn't get that people can't always get good food. And right. there's, there's a lot of food out there that will give you diabetes and they want you to eat it. And once you get diabetes, they just say, here's some medicine for you to take. Don't, don't change your eating habits. Just take this medicine. And, but according to Tim Pool, he doesn't want to have to pay for that, even though it's being forced on you. So I don't get it. I don't get how so many people watch that. Wow. I think I looked up his political ideology one time, and I think it said he's like part liberal, part right wing or something like that. Like it was, I was kind of like, what? Like, I think some, some things he agrees with, um, with the liberal ideology. And then there's areas where he agrees with conservatives or something like that. So it seemed like he was a mixture of the two. Um, but I think Tim pool got a lot of his recognition from the Occupy movement. I think that's how he really, he really moved up in the ranks. He was covering that. Yeah, I mean, a lot of these shows, they, they treat Jimmy like he's like this weird exotic animal and they got to ask him all these questions and they're, they're, they're just so surprised by the answers he gives them. And it's just like, it's it's like the normal <laughs> answers, everybody. It's like, he's, he's, he's just a normal guy. <laughs> you should be thinking. Yeah, I know. My, my dad loves Jimmy Dore. Like he... <laughs> He really does. Like, I think my dad might be a bigger fan, like a, a m- way much bigger fan than I was. Cause I, I think like the very first time he saw Jimmy Dore, I think was when, was it when I went on there? It was the very first time that Jimmy came onto my show, which I think is how, I think that's how a lot of you found me. I think that's how you found me, Eric, the very first time he came on. And so my dad watched yep. that and then he started watching his show and my dad was like, my dad loves that's Jimmy funny. Dore. Yeah. That's funny. Your dad found Jimmy through you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because my dad yeah. wasn't. Uh, my dad wasn't watching independent media. Um, oh, dad, Jimmy yeah. Dore fan, love it. And do you see Jimmy's coming to Massachusetts? Finally, he's coming to Northampton, and he's going to be in Hartford too. He like he never comes around here. I just see him in Brooklyn yeah. once. Yeah, we're going to be at the Northampton yeah. show. Yeah, I'm going to be there too. I'm, I'm going to get. I want to get okay. Hartford. Too. May Sabby meetup, Northampton. Nice. <laughs> I think he said he was going to try to get one in Boston. Boston can be tough, though, trying to yeah. get, like, you know, they got all the rules. And then you have to like certain places, like two tickets only, one ticket only, or what, something like that. Like the ticket thing is is rough for people. Oh, if, if you want to if you want to get Jimmy boiling, just 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 ask him about, oh, some of these clubs only let you buy one ticket and you have oh, to buy God, the table yeah. and he'll, <laughs> he'll go up and smoke. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> well, that's all done now. But <laughs> Yeah. All right. Well, I'll, I'll let I'll let someone else get on here. Thanks. Thanks for letting no me. Well time. All right. Appreciate Thank it. Good talk, Rob. Thanks, thanks so much, Rob. See you, see you this weekend. All righty, guys. Feel cool. free to call in because um, it's really interesting. Like, I won't be on late late tonight because our birthday plans tomorrow. So I'll probably be on till like eleven thirty. 
Yeah, 11.30. Yeah. Feel free to call in because it's so funny. Like when there's a long line of people, then people want to jump into the queue. But when it's a short line, people don't want to jump into the queue. <laughs> Let's go ahead and bring in uh, Noelle. You are on the mic. Good evening um, and happy early birthday. Thank you. Um, you know, for me, it's no mystery that the U.S. has not lifted the sanctions against Syria and that the so-called squad um, would have voted in favor of not lifting the sanctions. And, you know, it's it's a part of the the alignment that you see when one or the other houses of Congress shifts. And so, you know, but then again, you know, there's an absence of real um, critical ideological um, engagement in the Democratic Party. And we've seen it over and over and over again. So none of this is a surprise to me. But I think this is a tie-in for me to the discussion between Professor Wolf and um, Aaron Mate about the media in that I think the collapse of the media, if you will, has been, you know, a prodigious thing and a prescient indicator that what we consider a democracy really isn't. And by that, I mean, you know, we depend on the media to be the fourth estate um, behind the three branches of government in this country. And so much of the major changes that have happened in this society have gotten a boost because the then more independent media was covering the story based on the fact that it was a story. And they were not just playing to the choir and they were not as intimately connected to the CIA and the FBI and the other intelligence agencies in terms of being the handmaiden and a part of the manufacture of consent. And so I think as we move to through this late stage capitalism, we see it, you know, usurping the authority of anything that would challenge it. And so now that the media is corporately owned, it gives them a certain amount of safe way to present certain things. They know it's going to go unchallenged and the politicians are a part of that process. And they know, just like Rashida Tlaib could ignore that lady because she know it's not going to make the major news and be a big issue that could haunt her you know, foreseeably as she runs again for what have you. So I see all of these things as connected. And it's just another sign of the decay that we see in this society. And I think that also speaks to the fact that we have the biggest, you know, disparity in wealth in this country. And, you know, poor people by and large, you know, if they're going to engage on these issues, they have to see it and help be helped to see it. And without major media playing that role, they just don't know. They don't understand. They don't delve into it because they're too busy surviving. 
and the people who are not simply surviving are too busy trying to be a part of the machine so they say they're successful in this and that. And I just think we have a bad set of circumstances that I don't see um, getting better in this country um, because all the factors are aligning, you know, to a, you know, a, a us, them society with truly the rich and poor and the poor divided into 50 million factions with their own specificities in terms of complaints. So I just, you know, it all makes a type of sense to me, although it be detrimental, it does make a type of sense to me. Yeah, I could see that too. I think a big part of the problem, like you said, with Rashida Tlaib, she knew that she could ignore her because she knew it wouldn't affect her seat. You know, that's, that's yeah. the, you know, I know I might've come off a little bit harsh tonight, but I, I have just, I've had it. And I feel like for someone to constantly stand up for the rights of Palestinians because of the way they're being treated by the Israel state government, but you turn your cheek to the way that Syrians are being treated right now. You turn your cheek. It to me is just to just blatantly outright ignore that woman. It's appalling to me. And I don't understand. I, I really don't get how anybody can sit here now and say they're the best that we got. And I'm going to tell you again, there is no best right now when it comes to the politicians that we have in office. We had people who were fighters before and they pushed them out. They found a way to get rid of Dennis Kucinich by redrawing his district so that he didn't have one. Like what yes. kind of mess is that? This is why I tell people that this is all fixed. This is all done by design for the DNC to be able to just say, we can pick candidates. We can pick the people that we want in a back room. What is this? Is, is this the government? Is this democracy or is this the mafia? Like, what is this really about? But when you think about it, when you pair democracy with capitalism, capitalism is going to undermine the democratic principles at every turn because it is placing value into the corporate community, into the stockholders thereof. And eventually these things undermine your democratic principles and hollow them out. And that's exactly what we see have happened. And I think it's an interesting, I'm, I see an interesting connection between what you just said about there are no best and that you are appalled at what you're seeing. But I see that as connected to the same way to what Margaret Kimberly was saying about we need to build out the ideological piece. Because just like we, we're just talking about Rashida Tlaib is turning a blind eye to the Syrians and the suffering that they're going through. It's like the same thing with Marv Kimberly saying, you know, OK, you can have a war against the rally, uh, rally against the war machine. But if there is no ideological underpinning, it's just like whack-a-mole. You know, you would expect that if you are really against spending on the war, there would be an ideological string that would connect you to other things that speak to humanity. So we're in this weird space in this country where it's just, 
you know, pick a cause, this and that. It, it, it doesn't have to make any sense. And we also know that there is pick a cause because you want an audience, you know. And I think these things speak to the hollowing out of what's really going on in this country. You know, there has to, if you are against what's going on with the Palestinians, it stands to reason that you would be appalled at what's happening to the Syrians and to the people in Turkey because you're concerned about humanity. But we just have this type of schizophrenic thing going on and people are playing all of the issues to their advantage. And it just makes me know that there are a lot of bad faith actors and that, you know, people are playing the game to their advantage and they really don't care um, what is happening to people and humanity. And it makes me really wonder about their commitment to other issues or is this just something that, you know, you have a constituency that would dial into it. Look at all the the people who are members of the Black Congressional Caucus. Oh, and they'll scream and holler about George Floyd. But when it comes to the funding of police and Joe Biden is saying, oh, I'm going to increase the funding. They're like, oh, OK, well, you know, you got to fund the police. And, you know, so it's just a type of craziness. And you don't see any type of ideological underpinning that makes things make sense outside of I'm going to do what works for me. And as long as I can get reelected or whatever, just like you said about Cori Bush, she comes to the march and then says, Ooh, we not happy with what y'all doing. Yes, she did. A lot of people don't know about that. Yes, she did. She was not happy about it. She, I didn't understand why she came. Like she came there, but then just like, just to let you know, we're not happy about what you guys are doing here. You showed up just to complain. Why are you here? Exactly. Why are you here? And it's, you know, it's the same thing. So it's like, okay, Rashida Tlaib, if you are against what's going on with the Palestinians, help me understand how you can support not lifting the sanctions on Syria with what they're going through, because that is a type of war as well. It leads to people dying as well. The expansion of NATO has led to this situation between Russia and Ukraine that's causing people to die on both sides. This, you know, building a new military base in the palace in um, the Philippines because you're talking about Taiwan, then that can lead to an aggression too. And if you're asking Russia to um, respect the sovereignty of Ukraine, shouldn't you be respecting China's sovereignty with respect to Taiwan? I mean, uh -oh. make it make sense. It's just craziness out here. And that's why I think we're in a really worse place then people can really comprehend because people are compartmentalizing all these things when you need to be, you know, taking the long range view and seeing that there's a lot of inconsistency behind all this stuff. And where there's inconsistency, there is chaos and confusion ensues. 
I totally hear where you're coming from. You're right. There is a lot of inconsistency and it just seems like people attach themselves to issues when it's beneficial right. for their election, at least uh, at least for politicians. And and that's that's a big part of it. And I, I think that, you know, again, like going back to what Margaret Kimberly said tonight in reference to, you know, Margaret Kimberly made it very clear, very clear to people. Yeah, there is no sense in trying to do this progressive strategy. There's no sense in trying to primary Joe Biden. We already know what's going to happen as a result when they lose. They're going to tell you to support them anyway. And it's like when people say to me, the lesser of two evils, how is it the lesser of two evils when they are voting along with Republicans, at least Joe Biden did recently, voting along with Republicans to choose to undermine the dc city councilors in reference to their crime code you're voting along with republicans to stop them from making mandatory uh, minimums or keeping mand mandatory minimums like this makes no sense to me how is it the lesser of two evils when you have the squad voting along with corporate democrats and republicans there were only two people in that house roster that did not vote yes those people voted, or excuse me, they were uh, non-votes, so they abstained. But the thing is, when you have the squad members voting along with corporate Democrats and Republicans to not lift the sanctions on Syria, so what's the lesser of the evil? And here's the thing, the lesser of evil is still evil. And given situation within terms of space and time, the lesser evil is the greater evil. It just depends on what the circumstance is. And so if you are a poor person in need of health care or losing your SNAP benefits, the increase in SNAP benefits, then a Democrat president who is supporting increased expenditures to Ukraine supporting a Ukrainian war, but at the same time suggesting to you that there is no funds available for the health care you need or the step up in SNAP benefits, then that is the greater evil in your life at the moment. So there is no, and you know, people talk about, oh, well, if you don't vote or you don't vote Democrat, that's just a wasted vote because it's a protest vote. But I am past the point of just voting between mutually despicable choices because I realize there is no quantitative or qualitative difference. And mm -hmm. so like Margaret said, we need a third party movement. And you see, like she said, you know, New York has disrupted the Green Party's ability to be on the ballot. So yep. with all of this, you know, fighting against, and if you are truly about democracy, how do you fight to prevent an additional voice in the arena? How do you come together to replace the League of Women Voters in terms of coordinating presidential elections on a bipartisan basis? That is not a democratic situation. That's leaning towards a more autocratic totalitarianism type of thing. But like we've said before, the Democrats and Republicans operate as a duopoly and they only fight about who gets to be the president every four years. But other than that, the foreign policy looks pretty much the same. We see Biden 
a doubling down on the border policy for the immigrants. You know, we never deal with the fact that many of the immigrants coming from South and Central America are coming because of what the United States foreign policy has turned into in their countries and destabilized their homelands. So it's just, you know, like I say, we're just in a bad place because I don't think the United States realizes yet that you cannot order the world. No one country can or should be allowed to order the known world. It just makes no sense. And with that, I am going to step aside and let the next caller in. Thanks so much. Thank you so much, Noel. Let's go ahead and bring in uh, Brady. It reminds me of that moment when uh, Nick went on Rising and Nick was talking about the sanctions that have been put on a lot of these countries where people say they're fleeing because of socialism or communism. And I want to be very clear here. First of all, there is no true communist country in the world. Uh, so I think that talking point that you hear a lot of times by mainstream media, that's it's a lie. <laughs> it's a lie. If you look at the definition of communism, there is no true communist country in the world. What's up, Brady? Just got to unmute. What's well, good? What a depressing situation we find ourselves in when we're sanctioning someone after you know, earthquakes like that. It's just embarrassing. It's so embarrassing. I'm ashamed to be an American. And um, we need a new squad. We need a legitimate squad. You know, we it shouldn't be too hard to find some young college students who are willing to do something and sign them up. You know, like it could be, honestly, it could be anyone in this room and it would be better than the squad we have. And if y'all just want to like pick a name and write them in for something like we can do that, that is a possibility. It is an extra step involved in voting, I know, but it's certainly not impossible. And it's a option that's on the table. I think it's the fastest thing we can do to put an end to this madness. And outside of like, I don't know, is it possible to, um, how do you say impeach Congress? Like, can we just like start doing like, like impeach the, the, uh, how do you say the Supreme court? Like anything like that? Can we impeach Joe Biden for the Hunter laptop stuff? And like, I mean, that's observably worse than the Bill Clinton thing. Like, I think we need to, we need to pump the brakes on this situation as hard as we can in as many creative ways that we can, because we are staring down the barrel of world war three and a depopulation agenda. Honestly, I think this yes. is just an a, a attempt to get rid of the working class because they don't need us anymore. And I think uh, investigating the Jeffrey Epstein network and applying the lessons of nine 11 to the Nord stream pipeline situation and doing the opposite of what we did in nine 11 would, would be an effective first step, you know? Um, but uh, I could certainly use some help. Um, I'm, what I'm doing tonight is I'm going to go to another open mic. I'm a hijack it, turn it into an anti-war rally. It's what I did last time. I just signed up on the open mic as anti-war party <laughs> and they're like anti-war party. They had to announce it on the microphone, you know, so it got everyone asking questions and it's as simple as that. You guys can go to any public event and just hijack that shit, turn it into an anti-war rally. Um, but it, if anyone has any uh, creative ideas for stopping war, I'm all about it. Come at me. I'm, I'm making things happen. I'm writing anti, uh, it's a peace proposal from the American people to the rest of the world basically apologizing for the actions that have been taken on our behalf by our leadership 
and asking the rest of the world for their help in um, investigating that corruption and uh, mitigating the damage and uh, repairing some of the damage that's been done by our country on our behalf. Um, these are all good points. These are all good points. I just, wanna, um, I just wanna bring up something really quick that you said about hijacking an event. That's actually not a bad idea. Like if you go to an open mic night, I mean, they might kick me out, but if I go to an open mic night, which I, I love that kind of stuff. I love open mic, I love jazz, that kind of thing. If I go there and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to speak tonight. Oh, yeah. What are you going to talk about? Oh, you know, I'm just going to talk about, you know, the economy. Oh, okay. Then you get up there and you start talking about the economy. And then all of a sudden I say, I start off with, how do I buy bread, milk, and eggs? Two snaps. This is what they do at the open, these open mic nights. How do I feed the kids I don't have? How does my friends feed their kids? Two snaps. And then I just go, by the way, the U.S. government decided not to lift sanctions on Syria right after an earthquake. And all the progressives in Congress also voted along for this. Oh, you want to know what else is going on? Let me tell you what they did in Somalia. Let me tell you what they did in Afghanistan. Let me tell you what they did in Yemen. And the next thing you know, I know the club owner will probably come up to me like, I'm sorry, you got to You got to go. We got to take the mic from you. And I'll be like, give me the mic. I'm not finished. So I'll be like Sean Paul and I'll be like, just give me the mic. <laughs> Oh, I can see it now. The crowd goes wild. You know, you got a whole bar full of revolutionaries at that point, ready to rock, you know, and you can turn any one of those people into the in the bar that night into a candidate that we can actually elect. You know, um, we just need people with enough free time and energy and willpower to do it. And almost, like I said, almost any one of us would be a better option than anyone on the squad right now. Maybe I don't I don't know. Maybe there's some redeeming members of the squad, but uh, um. But you, yeah, they've been as a group very feckless, and I think just a group of any one of us would just be so awesome. It'd be like the goo. Oh man, that would that would be interesting. But these are really good ideas because if we put our heads together, like what Jose and his comrades are doing, where they're confronting politicians at these meetings, at these town halls, which I do highly encourage. That if you have the opportunity to attend, these are free events. Well, they're supposed to be free for the most part. I think I honor Presley did one here where you had to pay, and I was like, "Fuck that shit! <laughs> You're not getting any more money from me. That money goes right to the DNC." But if you can go and it's a free event, you know, having those questions like, yes, they are going to a lot of times they'll ask you to write your question down and put it into this little box. And if your question is selected, then they'll answer it. But what Jose and them are doing is they're actually just standing up and saying, how come you're doing this and you're not doing that, yada, yada. That actually has been effective. And for people who said earlier on, this isn't some people said it's not strategic. It's not effective. Apparently it was strategic because it got on mainstream media, you guys. Jose has done this enough times to the point where it was covered on Fox News. Now, of course, they're not going to cover it on CNN or MSNBC, but it got mainstream media coverage. And that is the thing. So now some people sitting at home that saw that segment on mainstream media, some people may pick up their phones and say, let's look into this guy he's talking about named Seymour Hirsch. Probably had never even heard about that article until they saw that clip from Jose. And I have to tell you guys, at the event where he confronted Hakeem Jeffries, Lucy informed me, because she was there as well, Lucy informed me that some of the students at uh, CUNY did come up to them afterwards and ask them about that article. 
So you see, you have to plant the seed and then the seed will grow. But if you don't even plant the seed, then you're just dealing with dirt and weeds. Gardening 101. Well said, Sabs. Let's make it happen. And I'm going to pass the joint. And thank you again so much for hosting us and uh, keeping up all the hard work. Keep it up. Don't stop. Awesome. Thanks so much. All right, Roger, I'm going to go to you first, and then I'm going to bring in Ashura. What's your take on all of this, Roger, especially the issue with Rashida Tlaib? Like, to me, that just, I was like, this woman is such a fraud. Uh-oh. Hello? Greetings. Hey, Sabrina. Can you hear me? We can hear you just fine. Um, I was hoping you was going to, to go past midnight. Because <laughs> at midnight, I was going to tell you that the barbershop quartet wanted to have a word with you. What barbershop? Who are these people, Roger? What's happening? Happy birthday and great big to do. Let's celebrate, yeah, celebrate you. So make a wish, make a wish on your special day. You're looking great. Come celebrate. Happy birthday from us to you. Yes, from the place where dreams do come true. So here's a wish. One, two, three, four, part harmony. Happy birthday, your special day to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. so much roger that is so sweet <laughs> i knew it was yeah. your birthday you know i was i kept asking you when's your birthday you kept ignoring me so i said okay i'll find out somehow <laughs> so i found out before you told us so i was going to surprise you with that but you already beat me to the punch <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you so much. Yes, my birthday is tomorrow, so I'm. <laughs> I mean, you should have stayed oh. on till midnight. I was gonna be like, "Ding, there you go." I was like, "What is he talking about?" The barbershop quartet. That was that was interesting. Oh dear. <laughs> um, oh man. <laughs> but uh, nah, it's um, I don't know. It's it's it's, it's uh. You know, messed up <laughs> pretty much. Um, these, uh, you know, like, I mean, someday we're going to get sanctioned. <laughs> Don't you, know you ever wonder that? Like one day there is going to be, who knows, maybe it will be China. One day there will yeah. be another country that surpasses the yeah, U.S. Gonna, uh -oh, I, economically. Okay. I'm still here. And they'll be mm -hmm. like. Mm -hmm. Ta-da! Payback is a bitch, motherfucker! <laughs> I shouldn't laugh. It's not funny. But I, it just, it, yeah. you know, like one day, like who knows one day that could happen. There's a movie called, um, have you ever seen the movie Today After Tomorrow? 
the day is after that, tomorrow. Yeah, of course. I remember that the TV came on. You know, it was the TV special. Right. So for those who haven't seen it, it is about a climate crisis, obviously. And there's a scientist who tries to warn everybody that this big oh, catastrophe okay. is coming. No, that, that was the, the, the huh? day after tomorrow was a was a nuclear war. Huh? No, the movie with uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. Remember huh? the day that? after tomorrow? I know that there was a joint in the in the um that was a TV movie made for TV movie in the eighties called the, the Day After Tomorrow. It was about uh what it would look like if we had a nuclear war. Oh well, this one um wasn't a TV movie, but it was released in the theaters. But anyway, oh, okay. um, it's about the climate climate catastrophe. And long story short, the scientist tries to warn people ahead of time. No one wants to listen to him. Kind of similar to uh, Don't Look Up. Yeah, it's kind of similar to Don't Look Up. But what happens is North America basically freezes. And so what they try to do is people in the United States are trying to go to Mexico because Mexico is not frozen. And Mexico says that you basically have to forgive everybody who entered the U.S. illegally in order to come here. So it was kind of like payback in a sense. And it just makes you wonder if something like that would actually happen. Oh, another another um, 80s propaganda against Russia movie was Red Dawn. Remember that? We saw part of that in class, actually. Yeah, 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 yeah. But um, there's a lot of them. There's a lot of them. Stranger yeah, Things too. Stranger Things, the TV show on Netflix. Uh-huh. They also use Russian propaganda. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know what's going to happen with uh, how you know, like this is this is you know just just crazy with with. Um, the, uh, Syria and, and then all of that. I really don't even got an answer to it, <laughs> to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Actually, I, it's more of a long-term answer, but what what he was talking about, um, what uh, 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 what Brady was talking about was, is there a way to impeach them or do something to the courts and so on and so forth? You know, if you ever heard of um, Mark Levin, he's like one of those conservative right-wing guys. He's part of this thing called Convention of the States, where they're looking to do, they're looking to pass like eight, eight to ten um, uh, 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 amendments to the U.S. Constitution. You know, some of them don't make sense. Like one of them is a balanced budget amendment. Which is which is which is like, you know, Republicans dream of don't take more in, no, don't spend more than we take in, which makes no sense because, you know, ever since Grumbine and Kaboom told us uh, we could print our own money, so we're not taking in anything. So that's like a that that amendment wouldn't make sense. But anyway, one of you know, one of the things that they were talking about is an is an amendment. So they used to be talking about an Article Five uh, state convention where they introduce, where they force Congress to um, call for a constitutional convention, right? And that one of the amendments they was going to, oh, am I still here? My phone went black. 
Oh, oh yeah. So one of the things they were going to introduce was an amendment that nullifies Supreme Court decisions. So it pretty much just repeals unpopular Supreme Court decisions. So that's why I thought of when Brady said that pretty much. So, you know. It's a good oh, point. Oh, oh. Bring in, um, oh, okay. Ashura, Ashura, what's up? I'm good. Happy birthday. Thank you. <laughs> what's your take on all of this, Ashura, uh, in reference to the squad choosing to vote to not lift uh, sanctions on Syria? Uh, to be fair, I didn't watch your segment. I was re-watching uh, the segment with CJ and Nick and Rome. So, but I'm not surprised, based on what I'm reading on the uh, title of the stream, uh, well, these guys don't fight. They don't fight. They're they're basically uh, what do they call it? Progressive Democrats. But it doesn't mean anything. They're just lackeys. So uh, Rashida to leave. I, I think Syria. Syria. Like, are they Muslims that live there, or are they uh, Palestinian? They're not Palestinians, right? I think they're Muslim. Okay. Well, isn't Rashida Muslim? I don't. I don't know what her her religion is, but. Again, like I mean, they're they're not Palestinian, so they're okay. not her people, and I I think that's where a big part of this comes from because yeah, I've seen AOC do the same thing. Because Omar's Muslim, so you should you probably would think it would be solidarity against the Muslim the Muslim kind, regardless what country they they're from. So um, well, there's you would think that, but there's different there's different types of Muslims too. Okay. Yeah, because I, I find it like fucking ridiculous. So even during the earthquake, you said no. Okay, so what if the something happens to Palestine, and the U.S. says to Rashida, "Oh, we're not sending you any fucking aid to your grandma," because last time there was an earthquake, you re- you rejected uh, Syria. Why should why should this one be no better? Exactly. But see again, like I said, like. They look out for their, so for example, like AOC, let me give you an example of AOC doing this, right? AOC disagreed with reparations for African-Americans, right? The fuck? I didn't know that shit. Oh <laughs> yeah. Yes. I, I put this on, I put it on Twitter one time. I'm have to find it because I posted it on Twitter. It was in an interview that she had. She disagreed with reparations for African-Americans. That was that was not not like on on her platform. She just didn't say it. She just said it in an interview. Oh shit! She was asked the question in an interview. Just like same thing with Bernie Sanders. He was asked the question in an interview. And she was using that bullshit. She was acting like a fucking pastor with that. I'm I'm a person of color. I'm a woman, and you don't want fucking black get reparations. Yeah, it's all it's all theatrics. Like I don't know what to tell you, but but. When it came to supporting some type, some type of reparations for Puerto Ricans, she agreed with that. Yeah, she was all up in there. Exactly. So that's what I'm saying. Like, they look out for their own. So, for example, same thing with, well, I guess not so much anymore with uh, Cori Bush. But, like, she was the one, the big one that was championing, like, defund the police, right? Right. Because. Has she given up to? Well, yeah. Well, she was told to. Democrat Party leadership told her to. She wasn't, they told her not to talk about it. 
She's no longer for defund nor reparations. Uh, I don't I don't know if she's against defund. She hasn't said she's against it, but she can't talk about it. Okay. That came hand, straight handed straight down from Nancy Pelosi. Uh I was gonna say, uh I'm surprised that Brody didn't sound so stoned today because like, normally that he, he doesn't make he doesn't make sense usually to me when I hear Brody speak. But today he made a lot of sense for some reason. I guess he wasn't off the he was off the shroom today. <laughs> I don't know. It is a Tuesday, sure, so <laughs> yeah. Brody seems like he's he's on it every day. Maybe maybe he has to maybe he has to work tomorrow. I don't know. It is a Tuesday. Um but I think that you know, it's just another another issue, like I've said before, like when it comes to Something like economic sanctions, I feel like some people don't consider that to be an act of war. And I I disagree with that. I think it is an act of war. I mean, you're keeping people for, you're basically starving people. I mean, wars have done that before. Wars have basically cut supplies by blowing up a bridge, blowing up uh, supply lines to make sure nothing goes there to make you surrender. I mean, these are tactics that have been done for a very long time during war. Now they just don't want to do it physically, so they'll just stop you from getting the food. Not to mention uh, you have uh, them occupying a third a third of Syria, which I think there's like um you mentioned the oil, but there's like a there, there's a wheat part on 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 the land where basically they can make bread. They just basically keep them from getting getting that part. And I'm thinking about it. I'm like, wouldn't that constitute like a war crime? Like if Bashar al-Assad wanted to go to war right there. He could just basically just just go over there and just kill some Americans. Well, say, define define war crime because I I feel like it depends on who's actually committing it. Well, basically, and, well, they're, they're basically doing. The U.S. is doing it. They're basically starving people of Syria and basically they're occupying their land. But the U.S. is never guilty of of war crimes. That's the problem. We're never considered guilty of war crime. Oh, I'm pretty sure everybody knows. They just keep their mouth shut or they're thinking about it in the back of their heads. Like, no, you're fucking, you're basically doing war crime right there. Mm-hmm. I just can't fucking say it. It's like you said, who's going to be the next superpower? I just hope that the next superpower doesn't end up like the United States. You know, they're, they're, the problem with having one country on top is that everybody else is going to be on the bottom. And once you're on top, once you have that type of power, especially if you have that type of economic power, you don't want to give it up. And that's the thing with the U.S. government. Like the U.S. government, the United States has been on top for a long time. But like Richard Wolf has said, they had a good run, but the U.S. is falling down. It is a falling empire. Have we learned nothing from the Romans? Like, in our history classes in school, have we learned nothing about the fall of the Roman Empire? And I feel like the U.S. government hasn't. But we well, are headed. We're headed in the direction because, again, it's like we're not even taking care of our own people. Assure, we're not even taking care of Americans. So they're letting people die. They just cut SNAP benefits. Poor and working class people are losing their lives in this country. And a lot of times we talk about what's happening. And I hate this term, but the third world countries, they talk about what's happening in those countries, but there are people, let's, let's not sit here and pretend like there aren't 
homeless encampments in cities across this country more than ever before. But to me, it's like, well, they want to say that they're the world superpower, but there's like dozens of world superpowers amongst the groups, the other, these other countries. Why not just stand up to the bully? I mean, the United States is the bully in the playground. Just if everybody just stands up to get this bully, but the bully, the bully can't fight you. You know, I remember you were saying before, it's going to uh, what, like what we're doing over there. It's, it's, uh oh, it's going to we... end up coming back over here in terms of what. Uh oh, what? I'm not there. Did you lose okay, me? Okay, you're back now. You were breaking up a Am little I bit, lost? but you're back. Yeah, so what you were saying before about, you know, because I, I heard you and Jimmy and other people say that what our government is doing over there, they'll eventually do it to us. Right. Um, actually, it's the opposite. They started with us, then they took that shit around the world. Mm. Eugenics? That goes, that goes back to Harvard University, too, you guys. I don't know if everyone is aware of that, but we talked about this one time before on the show. Harvard University was complicit with eugenics. Harvard University was practicing eugenics, you guys. Yeah. It's one of those old, dirty secrets they don't really want you to know about. <laughs> right. And then Hitler said, wow, that's a great idea what you did with your blacks. I'm going to do it yep. to the Jews. There you, you know, go. So, so it's not that, oh, they're doing it, we're doing it to them and they're eventually going to turn on. No, no, they started with us and then they took it around the world. Yeah. Um, while Nick was talking with CJ, they were also bringing up uh, Marianne Williamson. Apparently, the White House doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> they just mocked it. They, they, they did it in a way where. They took out Marianne and Crystal Ball in one shot. I don't yeah. think they even knew who Crystal Ball was. Yeah, that's what I'm I, thinking. I, I think I'm they were sure. they were making fun of Marianne because Marianne has crystals and stuff. I'm pretty sure they know who is. I'm pretty somebody knows. Somebody's watching social media. Somebody knows. Because I also they met NBC. She used you know, she did used yeah, to work for him. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah, I, I forgot about that. I felt like it's like convenient if she said crystal ball, then say they said eight ball, whatever the fuck. I'm like, no, that was like two shots, killing two birds in one stone. I can't wait for a cop to just mauled over that one. Cause, uh, CJ were, they were showing this video where they said that, uh, they, uh, what was the title? The recruit, right? They recruited her and Kyle basically says the shit out loud, says, I've been trying to get you to run for president. But then people say, oh no, they, they, it wasn't, it wasn't recruitment. I think I saw that interview live when it happened. Well, not maybe it wasn't live; it was uh, pre-recorded. But yeah. I think I saw that interview when it was published. That was over a year ago, I think. Well, I think it was this year. No, it wasn't this year. Okay. Uh, because Marianne, I, I'm trying. I think that was last year that video came out because I'm starting to remember things by hair color. So like Kyle's had blonde hair okay. this year. That video clip that they showed, the video clip you're referring to, 
that was last year. Marianne has been on there multiple times. That was last year. And then there was another clip that I think was showed that um was from this year. Okay. Yeah. Hey, cause dumb Eminem haircut basically is <laughs> not looking good on him. <laughs> oh dear. I'll go get him the barbershop quartet. Yeah, sure. Oh, that that that, that shit was a motherfucker. I, I don't know what the fuck Roger was on. I was like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> Roger <laughs> I thought when he said, I'm going to give you the barbershop quartet, I thought he, he he was going to make you talk with a bunch of barbers who wanted to do mutual aid. <laughs> but then the music comes up. I'm like, what the fuck is that? I'm like, it's some old school shit where people used to come in and just sing for you. <laughs> like, I don't know which movie he plucked that from. Oh, ah, I got man. it. It's not, it's not from a movie. <laughs> I have two favorite happy birthday songs. I have two. One is... Happy birthday to you from Stevie Wonder. And the other oh. one is the one from the Beatles. They say it's your birthday. Yeah, and uh, the other thing I want to talk about, I didn't know that uh, Joe Biden sent some Haitians to Guantanamo Bay. Yes. I'm like, for what? They're not terrorists. What the fuck are they doing in Guantanamo Bay? What the fuck are they going to torture a bunch of Haitians for? Again, they are poor black people. And he knows that most people don't care and he knows they won't be missed. Oh, fuck me. Fucking moron. Isn't that crazy? But yeah. that's the that's the country we live in. And I, I think, you know, it's it speaks volumes. I hope more people talk about this, about the way that they voted in reference to these sanctions on Syria, because I, I'm sorry, this is a big I know a lot of people are talking about Russia, Ukraine, and I know I've talked about it as well too, but this right here is a huge mask off moment and i hope more people discuss it well i hope nick br brings it up on saturday because he says uh he's bringing jimmy and uh danny Highfog on saturday i don't know if you'll be there on saturday but you might want to mention that shit either if you're coming or nick make him <laughs> say that shit because it's fucking ridiculous like to put haitians in fucking the guantanamo bay i don't know yeah plus uh what was it? Have you seen the? You heard about the special of <laughs> Chris Rock? You haven't heard it. I heard about it. I haven't watched it yet. Um, oh, the bits I are did. Good. I, I saw some comments. Some people said it was really funny. Some people said it was a snooze fest. So I don't know, <laughs> but I'll I'll have to watch it for myself. <laughs> I mean, he went after everyone. The Megan Markle one was like it was the funny part because she said he said like you hit the fucking light skin lottery. <laughs> so oh, what are you man. bitching about the, the 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 royal family for? They're the OG the OG racists. You know, I, I I did see that. I didn't see it, but I did see the part where he said, "People ask me why I didn't hit him back. That's because my yeah. mother raised me not to." I was like, "No, nah, that's bullshit. You was in shock. You were scared as hell, and he was taller than you." Let's stop trying to hide behind your moms. I mean, he did mention that part, like, uh, he said well, in the video, like, I don't know if you know this, but me and Will Smith, like, we're right. different sizes, you and I. Like, he's taller, and there's a point he says, have you, seen, have you not seen Will Smith in the Muhammad Ali, how jacked he was? Yeah, look part. at me, look at me, man. I, I wear a fucking sweater, do I look like, even, it was funny, you should just watch yeah, it. I, so. no, I, I did see that part, but that's the reason why I say, that's the only reason why Will did it. I mean, you, you really think he would have did that if that was The Rock instead of Chris Rock? Like, oh, he's, he's, defending his, he's defending his wife's honor. 
I was like, no, he needs to get his manhood back because people were clowning him. The uh-huh. guy that has that spent his whole entire life being a clown, clowning people, snapping on people, making fun of people, whatever the case is. And when it gets too hot, too too hot for him, all of a sudden he turns into Beanie Siegel. Like I never bought that <laughs> at at all. But anyway, that's just yeah. me. Wow. Yeah, because uh, there's a there's a there's a very funny part where he basically says like in the joke about well nobody's ever been cheated on to the point where you get interviewed by the cheater. <laughs> wow. And then he says like, hey, guess what? I sucked the guy's dick. Uh, I, I was sucking the guy's dick right now. How do you feel? What's your feelings on that? I'm not <laughs> Stop spoiling it. Stop, t- stop telling me the jokes, Ashura. <laughs> I, you know what? That's that. That reminds me. Back back in the when I, when I was in high school, when when Raw came out, this guy would not shut up about it. And then by the time I seen it, I was like, okay, that was it. Because the guy in my class, <laughs> in, in in one of my classes, told the whole movie, and it felt <laughs> mad short. I'm like, ah, and it was funny, but it wasn't as funny as Delirious. Uh, it might have, I might have thought it was funnier than Delirious if this guy didn't come to class every day talking about the jokes. Okay, you know. Tell you guys something. There, there is a uh, a TV show you need to watch. Um, I actually, I'll have to double check and see if it's still on Hulu. I think it's been a, a couple of years, but it's called The Looming Tower. And the TV show is about what happened before the 9-11 attacks. And I think you guys would really like it, like the TV show, because it it gives you insight into the FBI agent that had been following terrorist organizations before this even happened uh, and his partner who was helping him with that. And it gives you insight into what the CIA knew, but they didn't tell the FBI the looming tower. It's really, really good. It's it's the part about nine eleven that you probably never knew about. Yeah, um, there's going to be a lot of people now disappointed with Joe Biden because he's siding with Republicans. La- last time there was a fucking rally, people said don't side with Republicans, but Joe Biden's doing it straight up, and <laughs> Democrats are sad that Joe Biden's doing this. Yes, unfortunately. Unfortunately, this is who Joe Biden is, though. I mean, I hate playing this video, but I, I played it again on Sunday. It's that Joe Biden crime bill speech. Oh, yeah. I, I played good. it again just to remind people like, uh, yeah, I just want to remind you who Joe Biden really is. So it's not surprising that he would side with the GOP in reference to the D.C. crime law. OK, uh, I'm going to log off, but I'm going to ask one last question. Um, is the Chris um, should I watch the old Chris Rock comedies? Like back in the 90s. Why not? Yes, I'll be honest with you when it comes to stand up comedians. I honestly think that stand up comedy was better back then than it is now. Okay. That's just me. Um, Because there wasn't as much censorship, there was so much more you could say back then and get away with that you can't now. Mm-hmm. And just like that, Ashura was gone. Let's go ahead and bring in T. Jasmine. What's up? You just have to unmute. Hello. Um, 
so uh, I've been listening and I want to know what you think about um, the fact that the United States, I think it's through the New York Times or uh, um, that they finally admit that they have that they're somehow mixed up in the North. I mean, they don't admit it. They want to say it's Ukraine, but obviously it's going to come back to them. That they're the one who is responsible for blowing up the Nord Stream pipeline. Did they admit that in the New York Times? Well, because I know I read that article from Seymour uh, Hirsch. Well, they don't. They didn't admit it. What they're saying is that Zelensky didn't do it, but some, but some group affiliated with Ukraine did it. Because of course they're trying to cover their own asses, right? Yeah, I think eventually this is. I think eventually this is going to come out into the open. Like I really do. I know more people are hearing about that article, but just to give you guys an idea, like my dad, who like watches the news like all the time. Okay, it's news or sports for him for the most part. My dad had no idea about that article until I sent it to him. Okay. And I can say the same thing for like friends of mine as well. They had no idea, nothing about it. They don't even know what my dad didn't even know what Substack was. Like a lot of people don't know. So I, I was like, I need to share this with as many people as possible. But I think that eventually I think this article is going to get out to the masses. I think at some point the United States government is going to backfire and they're going to have to admit that they were involved with this. I really do think it's going to come out just like, what we heard about Iraq, how they told us how Saddam Hussein had weapons of mass destruction and then come to find out that wasn't true and that was revealed that it wasn't true. I think eventually this is going to be revealed as well. Well, um, somebody else is saying, well, if if the United States is pointing to Ukraine and said Ukraine did it, of course, Germany is going to say that they're not going to support somebody who blew up their pipeline and caused them to have expensive you know, gas and, and have to pay like three times or four times the price that they used to pay from Russian oil and gas. So let's see how Germany responds. I mean, I mean, Germany should know by now that the United States is the one that did it. But let's see if they're going to pretend that they agree or believe that either Ukraine forces have the wherewithal to blow up yeah tons and tons of um concrete and metal way below the surface of the the the, the, the ocean let's see if anybody believes that and because i mean does the ukraine have that kind of resource do they have that kind of resources to, to go ahead and blow up a pipeline? Or would the United States, with all its resources, do that? Especially since they've been talking about it and beating their chest about how there would be no um, Nord Stream pipeline, Nord Stream 2 pipeline, if if um, Russia invaded the Ukraine. So let's see if Germany is going to pretend that they believe what the United States says. And if they're going to say, okay, fine. Since Ukraine did this to us, we're not going to continue sending them or helping them. We're going to just withdraw our aid from them. Or if something else is going to happen, let's see what's going to happen. You see, I'm, I'm actually in the process now. I'm trying to actually get um, 
seven to from from Germany to come on. Uh, so that's something I'm working on. And that is one of the questions I do want to ask her about that. I want to ask her if they are familiar with that article. Uh, there may be a limit to how much she can tell me because I, she is a part of the EU. So there may be something she may not be able to to say, but I'm, I'm trying to get her to come on. Um, I also know I like for her, I don't need a translator. So I, I'm trying to get her um, to come on to talk about that article and also to talk about where do they stand right now because they've had multiple protests uh, against this war and against NATO as well. Um, so we'll, we'll see, we'll see what happens. I mean, it's, 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 she's abroad, so it could be a reach. Um, but I'm going to try. You know, I heard, um, Richard Wolf say that the real target of this war isn't Russia, but it's, um, China because somehow they, he believes that Russia to weaken Russia would be, um, a stronger Russia would be um, a, a, a sort of a, an ally, a warring ally with China if they were to attack China because China is very powerful. So he believes that weakening Russia is the way to get to China. His sort of theory. I can see that so, happening. The Soul War. And of course, um, it's been coming out now, nowadays that another reason that the United States is trying to, well, they're trying to weaken Germany and they're trying to um, excise Russia from power and trying to weaken Germany or keep Germany under their thumb. <laughs> so if Germany is here, I'm sure Germany must be hearing all of this thing by now because it's not just coming from one source. Uh, different people from different parts um, of the media and of the, yeah. of the stratosphere is talking about how the real goal with NATO was to weak, also keep Germany in check or to keep Germany weak. So if that's the case, why is Germany playing a part? Why is Germany playing a part? Why is Germany not standing up for themselves and said, excuse me, no. That's another um, question I want to ask Sevim about. That's another thing I want to talk to her about because she would be able to answer that question. And I think that she did explicitly say that the people in Germany did not want to send tanks to Ukraine, but they were overruled by the, the Greens, by the way. The Greens in Germany, they were overruled by them. Like, yes, the Green Party, you guys, it is international party. Um, but that is another thing that I do want to ask her as well. And also, I think the U.S., like, <laughs> don't fuck with Germany, okay? Like, like, honestly, like, that's my second home. Do not mess with Germany. Leave them alone. They're not really trying to start nothing with you. They just really want to, like, chill. Like, I was really surprised that they even announced that they were sending tanks to Ukraine because that is typically would not be their response. So that's why I knew. I was like, there is something else going on here. 
there is something else going on. But don't, don't leave Deutschland alone. Don't mess with them. They ain't trying to mess with you. Like, if I see the U.S. government try to weaken Germany, like, I think I will lose my shit. I really will. Because Germany ain't really trying to fuck with no one, for the most part. Go ahead, Lance. Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry. Germany did admit, oh. well, Angela Merkel, she did, um, didn't she say just recently that um, the Minsk agreement, she knew that the Minsk agreement was just, um, wasn't really, it wasn't really serious. It was something that they were doing to buy time, so that, um, to buy time to build up um, Ukraine, Ukraine's um, weapon, like, I think didn't so, she but I. That? She said something like that, didn't she? I think so, but the thing is, is that, like, I really do. I, I really do feel like Germany is being pressured. I really do. Because again, like I said, the majority of Germans did not want this. And they just had protests where they had 50,000 people, people out in Berlin and people out in Munich protesting against this war so that's why i'm like no i feel like some pressure came somewhere and i know they said that the german green party they were the ones who said yes let's go ahead and do it but i feel like it's more than that i feel like there was pressure that came from somewhere else and that pressure also could have come from joe biden and that's probably where it came from well that doesn't sound you know they're not fighting in their own interests. That's what I'm saying. It's like Republican. I used to say this about Republicans. Um, used to they would cut off their nose to spite their face. They would side with the wealthy just to spite the black people or the poor people. You know, sort of like that. You know, fight again. Oh, you can't pay for who's going to pay for Medicare? Um, Medicare for all and all of these things. It's so that's the way I see Germany behaving right now. Um, I hope they change their mind. I really hope they change their mind. Um, regarding um, the the neoliberals that are called progressives in um, the Democratic Party, <laughs> you know, it's really disgusting. You know what? Years ago, I was on Twitter under another account that I eventually got kicked off, kicked out of. Um, when I was on Twitter, I, there was a story that um, Max Blumenthal had seen her and had asked her, because I think it was Trump trying to send people over into to, to, to Venezuela to try to get rid of, you know, try to do something to, like, he was trying to cause a coup in Venezuela. I don't know if you remember that time. I think it was 2018 or 2017 or something like that when... Trump was trying to create a coup in Venezuela. So um, Max Blumenthal had asked, um, I think she was just in. She was, it was, she was brand new to the, the, the scene. Um, and he approached, was it 2019? I don't know. She was brand new to the scene. And he was asking AOC what her thoughts were on it. And she was like, you know, whatever like she was saying whatever the official story is that's what she's going and he's saying they're trying to create a coup and they're trying to say and she it's almost like she didn't care that these people were suffering and that the united states were, were putting sanctions on them and trying to cause a coup because you know 
Venezuela was in turmoil at the time because of what the, the things that the United States were doing to them. And they had sent drones, I think, one time to attack the president who was speaking, and he dodged it. But she just was not very nonchalant about it, and, and that told me everything I needed to know about her. From then on, I didn't like her. I've never liked her since then. You know, when I saw, I saw that, because um, she was closing the, on, the door on him, how I interpreted yes. it, I, how I interpreted, interpreted that as she wasn't up on her foreign policy game, so she didn't, she didn't know how to answer it. Um, now, that doesn't make an excuse for in the but future she- when you had time to inform yourself, um, because I, I don't remember her when she was running, most of the stuff that she was talking about were domestic issues. I didn't, I don't remember her really having a, an opinion or thoughts on foreign policy issues. Yeah, um, she didn't. She didn't have that that type of reach. No. But she still doesn't. She still has. No, no, no. Yes, that, that's what I said. I was just saying for that particular time. Now that time has passed, and she had, and you know, she had a chance, you know, that she would have been informed if she wouldn't have let herself be bullied into to stop going on independent media that got her to where she was you see what i'm saying so she would have she would have been informed if you know like if she if she told nancy pelosi and i'm like yo fuck you i'm still gonna go on an independent media they put me where i was you know so it's almost like they don't realize that their votes doesn't didn't come from Nancy Pelosi or anybody else in the Democratic Party. It came from the people. It's almost yeah. like somebody needs need to remind them that if people don't vote for them, it doesn't matter who is telling you to shut up or, or, or stay quiet or keep silent or do as we, we tell you to do. They're not going to be in there if people don't vote for them. Yeah, if people you, should if remind them. Somebody should remind them that, listen, you think you serve the oligarchy, but we're the people who can put you in. The oligarchy can't because oligarchy is one guy or, or, or a group, a small group of people with a lot of money, but they can't vote you in. No, I agree. So can't vote you in. You know, somebody but- needs to remind them. No, you're, you're um, right. You're right. T Jasmine. And I think Lucy had a great idea um, for a solution for this. And Lucy said, like, we need to write people in. Just write, mm-hmm. just write people in. Lucy came onto my show and she said, write me in as a write-in candidate to run against AOC. She's like, I'm not, she said, don't even try to waste time to get on the ballot third party or independent. Like, it's a struggle. But she said, just write me in. Write whoever you want in. And if you have enough write-in votes, then it can. The, the reason why someone like AOC continues to, to stay where she is is because nobody is challenging her on the left. She had a Republican challenger, but nobody is challenging her on the left. You need to have someone, <clears throat> and they cannot run through the Democratic Party. They can't. Like, that's the thing. They're going to get swallowed up into the same beast. So I think the thing is, is like that idea of just writing people in, I think that's a good idea. Another woman came onto the show, uh, I think it was a couple weeks ago. She said the same thing. Everybody just write in each other. Like, something has to change. 
Now, I mean, like the system is inherently corrupt. And I think this is what people don't understand. Like a lot of us have talked about election integrity. We've talked about what happens with these voting machines. We've talked about what happens with the voting lines, how people have been in line for hours and then they get to the front door and the doors close in their face. We've talked about this. And I think what people have to understand is it doesn't matter who runs in the end if they're running the duopoly, because what's going to happen is the Democratic Party has already picked the people that they want. And then on top of that, people can't even vote peacefully well, with a peace of mind, we don't even have election day as a holiday in this country. In Colombia, they have it as a holiday, so everyone has that day off. The votes yep. are counted right in front of the people. That doesn't happen here in this country. Our votes aren't counted in front of us. We don't know what happens to those ballots after they get their hands on them. And I know multiple people have reported on these issues before where there were ballots that were not counted and et cetera, et cetera. So the thing is, we do not have election integrity in this country. And I'm sorry, until you fix that system and until you take corporate money out of electoral politics, we will constantly have this issue. We don't have fair elections in this country. And people really have to understand the DNC was able to argue this in court. Do you have in Massachusetts automatic voter registration? Oh, hello? No, uh, we don't we don't have it. Like I had to register to vote. Okay. Cause um because like the way it works is in case anybody doesn't know, is if you were never registered to vote before and you interact with a state government agency like the DMV or Department of Health, you know, something like that or whatever the case is, they automatically register you, whether you know it or not. And the thing is, not in New York is, what's it, say it again? Hello? Yes, Wait, that motor voter DMV, is that, that's not in New York. Though. I'm not, you know, I heard that word before. You said motor voter. Not, we're talking about interacting and being registered. New York people don't realize we're like on 48th when it comes to voting, trying to make registration. You got to do it months ahead. I look at these, these rules that they passed that make it easier. Now they're taking them back. New York never had them. To try to run for office or try to vote here and register, it's one of the worst states, believe it or not, New so, so let me tell you what was passed in 2019. Um, automatic voter registration. So if you were never, if you were never registered to vote in New York before, um, all you have to do is, is like go to the DMV. For, it doesn't have to be, for, it could be to be like, oh, I'm trying to renew my license or something like that. Or some other state government agency, right? And what happens is they will automatically register you to vote. Okay, whether you know it or not. So that's that was passed in 2019. There was a bunch of other um, laws, voter laws that we passed or whatever. But the reason why I was reason why I was saying that is I was looking at because um, you you was on. Oh yeah, that's right. You were on um, a case study show yesterday, and he was talking about what's going on in Nevada and. Um, something made me just look look up Nevada, right? And what I seen was they, oh yes, right, you was talking about how it, it's becoming purple um, because Democrats are kind of like losing ground, something like that or whatever, right? So I looked up something um, 
and it said that their Democrat registration has decreased from 39 percent dot four in 29 no 20 29 something like that I forget oh 2016 now 30 percent while independent went from 20 percent to 28% and they said it was mostly because of the automatic voter registration yep. because when they when you when they when the government automatically registers you they don't know what party, you know, unless you tell them, whatever. They don't know what party, you know what I mean? So they just put you in the unbiased column, which is independent, non-affiliated, unaffiliated, no party preference, no party, whatever you call it in your state, okay? So when I found that out, I was just like, hmm, that's a good uh, uh, weapon that we have that runs on automatic in terms of trying to get people in New York to register under no party. But here's something else, though. We also passed pre-registration for 16 and 17-year-olds. So you could, so, you know, like something I was thinking about, um, maybe going to the high schools and, and registering them or recruiting people from high school or whatever the case Yeah. I knew about that law. It's about time that New York's catching up. Yeah. Okay. I do have to just FYI, guys. I do have to wrap up here oh, pretty shortly, so I'm gonna try to. I want to try to fly through. Can I make a first and last um, comment? Then I'll just duck out after this. Sure. Go ahead, Lance. A quick thing. Uh, according to Jeffrey Sachs, quickly, uh, Biden screwed up. That it would have only been effective before the war. That when he blew the thing up after the war had started, he screwed everything up himself. Biden, according to Jeffrey Sachs and the people that he talked to, so that's bizarre. You know, uh, but you know, the only thing I would say about the squad and these people is, first of all, shame on all of them. Didn't they have ceasefires at like bitter wars that were for big territory or occupation, World War II? These poor suffering people can't get a break for a month or two just to cease fire, just something to suspend the sanctions. And whether these guys are Muslim or not, but the squad, no humanity when you've got the wacko right wingers who will take their 10 votes to screw everything up and, you know, you know, shut down the government. You got the Gottheimer 10 corporates that have no problem, never suffer any consequences for getting their corporate crap into the budget. And you got Manchima. Do these people have absolutely no spine, no humanity? Cause they don't possibly believe, yeah, we're glad this is happening. None of them, but especially the squad, don't they have an ounce of just humanity how, who's gonna how are they gonna suffer they're not gonna not get reelected. The, the press won't say oh my god they wanted to let these poor earthquake victims get some food what, what would be the what would be the pitfall to these people i want to ask aoc what on earth in your brain could make you vote this way um her being able to keep her seat that's why she votes that way and she yeah, has but doesn't she have her constituents? If they, if they said, "Okay, we're coming after you," who are they gonna who are they gonna put in place of her, which she's so beloved? You know what I'm saying? I don't think that she would suffer. I, I really don't. I think they're just they're just callous people who just don't care about people. I think it's even worse. But her constituents aren't coming after her. That's the problem. 
that's the thing. The majority of the constituents are not coming after her. They still think she's the best thing next to sliced like bread. That, Most but if she voted to go be the one or few votes against the to go against the uh, the sanctions, she wouldn't suffer one vote. You know what I mean? She, she it's just callousness. I don't understand. You know what I mean? It's like what what is she getting out of it? She's not exactly getting promoted to anything. I'm sorry. I mean, I just don't. I you know what I mean? I'm not saying you're wrong, but I'm just saying it even seems like why can't you at least on this just say yes to help these people. People. I mean, really? She really, you know, that she'll get primary for making one vote against one thing like that. I mean, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying holy. Yeah, because they were already spoken to, and I. And this is another thing to look into. Does she have anyone from Syria in her district? Probably not. See, this is another thing. Like I said, they help out their pre their people, so they already get approval from Democratic leadership for what they can fight for and what they can't fight for. Just like when they had that eviction moratorium, Nancy Pelosi and Congress, they had already approved for them to do that protest. So that's what I was saying. Like right. that wasn't even them rising up against corporate Democrats totally. when corporate Democrats gave you the approval to go ahead and do it in the first place. Totally. So this is the thing that people have to understand. Again, right. you have to look at who is in their district because that determines what they are going to push back on and what they're not going to push back on. I get all that right, but the, the 10 people in the Republicans are the other one. You know, when they do this stuff, it's like, what if there was pushback? All they would have to say, us 10 are saying to the leadership, hey, America, look, we want to help these poor people. In other words, they, they have another, they have another, uh, uh, you know what I mean? So I don't think they would lose votes by their constituents, just like the 10 people in the Republicans. Even AOC and these people said, yeah, they got stuff. Oh, my God, yeah. So the, the so-called, con- oh, they're going to suffer consequences. Even if it's threatened, how can they threaten if they just said, look, we got 13 million followers and then said after the after the repudiation said, screw you, leadership. We're, we're, we're together on helping people. I think the American people would be behind them and they could call the bluff of the leadership. And I don't think they will, because I think they're, they're just as callous and heartless as the people that are in leadership. I'm, I'm- mm-hmm. And they've settled into the perks. T. Jasmine, anything else? I'm going to move on to Notori. Yeah, I, I completely agree with Lance. I completely agree with Lance with that. Um, they're very callous people. They have no compassion, and I don't believe they're there to do anything. They only give lip service, and they're only there to collect money and to, to, to look like celebrities in, in, in front of the camera. That's all she's there to do, AOC, and all the other ones are there to do. I agree with him completely. And so let me let somebody else go um, have a, a say at the mic. Have a good night. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, T. Jasmine. Let's go ahead and bring in uh, Natori. Natori, you're on the mic. Just got to unmute. Happy birthday. Thank you. <laughs> I just wanted to say um, to Lance's point, I feel like they did have a um, sitting down to the leadership of the Democratic Party, and they saw book deals. They saw CNN money. They get a lot of um, thousands of dollars to be in there, and they had a choice, and they chose the money. That simple. And when I saw Rashida Tlaib, I wanted to walk her like a dog, run down on the bitch twice. And it's like, (laughs) I don't understand these people that still support them because I won't. I didn't really know who Bernie was in 2016, but when he run, ran the um, second time, I got into him. But now, seeing how he is, and then these people that still, like, the cows and crystal them, still pushing for him, like, pushing for him and pushing for Mariana, and it's just disgusting to me, and I'm going to keep saying it because it's just stupid to me. 
And it's like they running the same playbook again. And the last thing I want to say is I don't understand. They say the Democrats are so corrupt. And yet again, they keep running in the same party instead of pushing for a multi-party. It's like going back to an abusive boyfriend over and over again. It's like you complain to your friends, like, he hits me, he punched me in the face, he treats me so bad, but then you keep going back to him. That's what this reminds me of. It's a freaking abusive relationship, Notori. Right. And they... they they continue to, to play along with them. Like anybody sitting up here advocating for this, I feel like you're advocating for some type of abuse, whether it's psychological abuse, mental abuse, or whatever. There's different types of abuse, but you continue to stay in the same party, the same system that continues to let the people down, that continues to exploit the people, that continues to benefit and, and, and support their donors and corporations you are complicit in an abusive system and it's time you wake up and walk the fuck out. And if you don't want to wake up and walk the fuck out, then people need to start pointing their fingers and asking to those people, why, why are you still trying to do this so badly? What is in it for you? Because that's a big part of the problem. That's the thing with AOC and the rest of them with the squad. There's something in it for them. Mm -hmm. They all have like fancy apartments in DC. AOC drives a fucking Tesla. Like these people are living the rents, especially for a lot of them, especially like someone like Cori Bush, who kind of came from nothing. But even looking back on her, I found out even she had politics, politicians in her family, you guys. Her dad was a fucking politician. These are the things that Justice Democrats didn't tell you about. Most of these candidates were not from the working class, not the ones who got in. The ones who got in were not from the working class. And we need to be serious about that here. And Go ahead, Tori. It's just these, like, because they're doing it for the money, too. Like, I'm, y'all know I, don't hate, I hate these people. Crystal, um, Cal Kalimsky, it's like, y'all know. Like, and I hate that they use these cute words and just give it to us up front. We, like, be up front with your audience. But I guess that's what they pay for, pay them for, because they keep them stupid. I mean, to me, and it's like y'all, y'all, it's like Bernie Sanders for the third time with Mariana Anna. <laughs> Mariana Anna, that, that's funny. No, it's just like this is a fucking joke. People really expect me to believe that, and this is why I don't even, this is why I don't, I haven't covered it anymore on my show because I know this is a fucking joke. Mm -hmm. I respect Marianne Williamson on certain issues. I respect her on reparations. I respect her on that issue and certain other issues. But I also fucking know she does not have anywhere near the support that Bernie Sanders had and Bernie Sanders still fucking lost. So why am I supposed to believe all of a sudden that Marianne Williamson is going to be this champion? She's going to be the one to get there where Bernie Sanders couldn't get. I just played the clip for you guys tonight when I was talking to Margaret Kimberly about how they said all of the politicians, all the Democrat politicians in Congress, including the Progressive Caucus, which includes the squad, are on board for Biden for 2024. So you won't even have the support of the squad. You won't have the support of Bernie Sanders because he ain't going back your ass neither. Bernie mm -hmm. Sanders on interviews, praising Joe Biden, sitting up here making excuses for sending more money to Ukraine. None of these people are fucking real. 
Right. And then it's just, it's like I said, it's people out there to keep people dizzy and confused. And it's not just Cal, Kalimsky, and Crystal. It's other ones too. And it's like, I, it's like, I don't want to say this person's name, but it's like, she cool, but it's like, ugh, girl, like, stop being cute. I, that's why I like y'all show. That's why I keep saying this. I like you and RBN because y'all don't sugarcoat shit. Y'all just tell us. Y'all don't play these cute word games. It's just straight to the point. And that's why I love it because I can't do it. And then Bernie Sanders talking about he might run if Joe Biden. Why the fuck do we want you when you done showed us that you you on your knees for um Joe? On your knees. No, it's just like, it's one of these things that people really have to understand is like, you have to ask yourself at this point, why in the hell would I believe? (laughs) Well, well, why in the hell would I believe that Marianne Williamson is going to garner more support than Bernie Sanders did? And Bernie Sanders was selling out stadiums across this fucking country with thousands and thousands of people. And the poll right now says that Biden is leading Marianne Williamson by 74%. And I'm supposed to believe that she's going to be the one that is going to get there where Bernie could not get there. Are we fucking kidding? Marianne Anna is a good person, but she, she weak as fuck. Let's just be honest. She couldn't even get past y'all. She can't get past a paper bag. I'm just she being honest. More, she can do more on the outside. And the thing is, Marianne knows this. She's already done work on the outside. Like she started a foundation. Yeah, she started a foundation back in the 90s for people who were diagnosed with AIDS. Like she's done work on the outside. She knows that she can do more there. So for me, I have to ask. You know the DNC is not going to let you win. Mm-hmm. So what is the point? And so for people who come to me and say, "Well, she's getting the message out," what fucking message, boo? Right. If you Didn't are Bernie repeating the same, you're repeating the same talking points when it comes to foreign policy. If you're saying the same thing that Joe Biden's saying, and you're telling people we need to give Ukraine more money, you're lo- you lost me. If I ask you a question and I say, do you support BDS? And you say you support a two-state solution after we have already spoken to the Palestinian network on our fucking show who made it very clear to us that that is not a viable option. What good is the, what value? What are you running on? You're not for defunding the police. Neither is Joe Biden. You're not for ending this war with Russia and Ukraine and calling for peace. Neither is Joe Biden. You're not for uh, Israel uh, give, giving this shit back to the Palestinians. Neither is Joe Biden. So what are what is the value? Nothing. I don't see it for Democrats. I don't see it for Republicans. But I got a feeling that I feel like they, it to me, just looking at it, it feels like they setting up the stage for Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis be. I mean, it's just, I I think we all, um, I think, I think we all know what's going to happen. I think we all know what's going to happen here. And the thing is, this is exactly why I've seen people like all this fucking week, people have been like, Marianne said this, Marianne said that, Marianne said this, Marianne said that. Instead of talking about like, you guys understand what's happening here. There's been so much coverage of Marianne Williamson announcing that she's running against Joe Biden. And I ain't seen none of these motherfuckers 
with the exception of the smaller channels, I see none of them cover Shama Sawant's worker strike back launch, which happened the same fucking day. Do you guys understand what's happening here? Once again, they are trying to drown out any outside effort. They are trying to drown out any type of worker movement. I watched these people for a year and a half cover these strikes. I watched them cover the Amazon, the Amazon uh, unionization, Starbucks, bring these people on their shows. And then all of a sudden, Marianne runs and all of a sudden you silent when it comes to labor. I wasn't born fucking yesterday. I know exactly what's going on. And that's why I don't fucking cover Marianne. And that's why I haven't reached back out to her. Period. Also, um, to answer Lance's question, if he's still on it, if anybody wants to know about AOC's district, there's two people you can ask. Lucy and Larry Sharp. I hear him talk about it all the time on his radio show and on his YouTube show. That's that's their congresswoman. Just my two cents. That's right. That's the other thing, too. I think Larry Sharp is a libertarian, but Larry Sharp does agree with us on certain things. He agrees with us on um, public banks. He agrees with us on in these damn wars. Worker co-ops and making New York State a ballot initiative state. I just I, I just can't like honestly, like it's just like I said, there are certain issues that I feel Marianne is good on. But we all know damn well Marianne is not going to win. And the fact that she won't answer yes or no, whether or not she will support Joe Biden if she loses, that shit is suspect to me. And I think it should be suspect to all of you. It's a yes or no question. I don't want to hear you give this all around the world answer where you come in and you say things like, oh, well, you know, I will do everything in my power to prevent this fascist uprising from the right. And that is why I'm running. That didn't answer the the, the, the freaking problem, boo. He asked you, would you support Joe Biden if you lost? Yes or no. And you could not give an answer to that question. And that right there, and they let all y'all know that she going to tell you to fucking vote for Joe Biden. So why are you even considering? This is why I said this is a fucking joke. If people didn't learn this shit from Bernie Sanders from 2016 and 2020, I don't know what else to tell you. Y'all going to give her all your fucking money, just like Bernie got all that fucking money. Then they going to give their email list to the DNC and your ass going to be right back in the Democratic Party. This is exactly why nothing ever fucking changes. I'm not here to be someone's best friend. And people need to understand that. Some people... They, they, they're friends, they're, they're best friends with people and they're cool with them like that. And this is why I keep telling you, you can't be their fucking friend. You cannot be a politician's friend. So I've interviewed Marianne, but I don't have Marianne's number. I don't know her like that. I've never even met Marianne in person, but you can't be their friend. Mm-hmm. Um, so from this day forward, let's talk more about the socialist workers strike back thing because even by giving the critique of Maryam we're also feeding into that too by giving her unwanted attention so let's flip it and when they speak about Maryam we say yeah well that's nice we're, we're doing this workers strike back thing with, with 
uh, socialist alternative. Like, where's the coverage besides me and CJ and do dissidents? I think hard lens might've come besides the smaller channels. Who else fucking talked about worker strike back? Who else? And some of these people fucking know Shama Sawant personally, boo. So make it make sense to me. I ain't got time for it. I've never even met Shama Sawant in person. But I've been talking about this shit from day one. I just feel bad that they left out drop down and let somebody else go. But I don't know what somebody being funny in the comments saying infighting. I hate when people say infighting because most of these people, we can agree to disagree with on other topics. But most of these people are liberals and moderates. They are not progressive or socialist. And coming from some of the YouTube um, commentators as well, they can say they're progressives all day long. They are really moderates. Sheepdogging people into the um, Democratic Party. Thank you, Sadie. Thanks so much, Notori. I'll go ahead and bring in Anthony. I'm going to try to uh, go through pretty quickly. Uh, but yes, I'm sorry, you guys. Someone said um, Jimmy, too. I forgot to mention that. Yes, Jimmy Dore actually did talk about it, too. He brought her on uh, to talk about it. But like I said, man, I, I don't know. The, the The veil has come off. Go ahead, Anthony. What's up? Um, I'm, at, I'm on lunch break at work. It's kind of hard to... Uh... You know, get in, but happy birthday anyway, Sammy. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I, I saw the video where they confronted Talib yesterday over a couple things, the Nord Stream and Syria, and that was pretty good. And I was actually at that event, and I uh, confronted them, too, about 45 minutes before that. But I had to leave and come to work like now, so it didn't really end up on video. But I did. I I all three of the people on the panel, I knew all of them. So I said, they're all full of shit in front of the university crowd. That felt pretty good. And um, now I see on Twitter that Ryan Grimm reports that they, the squad or the progressive caucus is urging a yes vote on Gates's resolution tomorrow to remove troops from Syria. And um, I think that that's good. I think it might have had some pressure on them getting confronted. But I asked Grim, I said, hey, did you uh, get leaked to this story because they got embarrassed over it yesterday? And then he blocked me like two minutes. <laughs> well, that's good that they're getting pressure over it. And again, but again, guys, let's go back to Jose and his friends confronting them in person. Had that not happened, would they have had that pressure? Yep. These types of these types of things are so important. The fact that they even had that pressure. Uh, sure, you already spoke. I'm going to go to Terry uh, really quick. That's why, like, for people who feel like what Jose is doing is not effective, bullshit. It is effective. Apparently, it is. Go ahead, Terry. You just got to unmute. Uh oh. We might have lost Terry. I don't know. You just got to gray it out. No, it's probably already grayed out. Oh, let me invite her as a, a speaker. I don't know um, why the app does that. And sorry for venting and, and yelling earlier, um, guys. Is. It's just, I just don't, I, ain't nobody going to try to play me for a fool. What's up, Terry? Oh, no, she's gone. Oh, no, she's back again. Let's try it again. <laughs> 
Okay, Terry, you just have to unmute. Happy birthday, Sabby. There's six more minutes, and then we can cel- celebrate your birthday with you. Happy birthday to you, too. <laughs> Pisces in the house. That's right. <laughs> That's all I got to say. We just got to keep up the fight, and we just got to continue, you know, to to, con- to carry on this fight. Um, it's an everyday battle. You know, um, no Dems, no Republicans. They're both evil. And let's just keep fighting, and... um. Oh, hopefully I'll see you on Saturday. Have a good night, everyone. Thank you, Sal. Awesome. All right. Uh, Seely, uh, really quick, I'm going to bring you in, and then Ashura will finish up with you. So I think you just have to unmute, Seely. Hi. Sorry. I, sorry I got in so late, especially for your birthday. Is eight your birthday? The eight? Or the yeah. seven? March 8th. <laughs> oh, here is already March 8th, so I can't tell you happy birthday. Otherwise, it's, it's supposed not to happen. Like, it's a very stupid, superstitious thing. <laughs> like, but here it's, it's already like uh, 2 a.m. in March 8th, so happy birthday. And I'm sorry I got in so late. I, I just wanted to ask a very fast question. Um, have you talked or know about these roads? from Syria because NATO is not just uh, the sanctions, economic sanctions, but also they had the roads block even during the, like they opened only one during the earthquakes to get help, to send help because they have the, like the borders blockaded. And I don't know if you knew anything about that. I didn't know they only opened one road, but I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put that past them. I guess it doesn't surprise me. Yeah, well, just, just to let you like, journalist here was saying that the help was very difficult to get there because the roads were not 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 all the roads were being open so it's another thing to push back so happy birthday thank you so much Celie. bye all righty all right Ashura you're last on the mic make it count uh, I just remembered something um I was at work today and uh, one of the security guards he was on YouTube and he was watching a CNN segment and it was talking about how Ukraine is trying to retake Crimea. And I remember either I was watching Jimmy Dory, they were talking about there's like a this type of port that basically Ukraine needs. They want to take it back. So I'm like, could they re could they retake Crimea, basically go to war with Russia on Crimea, even though Crimea literally basically did a referendum? Because when I told him that, he was like, Oh, you don't know your history, bro. You have to work on your history. I'm like, no, they did a referendum. They basically uh, joined Russia. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? Because like, because the guy always watched like these military things about planes on YouTube. Because he's he's an old guy. I think he basically served in the Vietnam War, and he's basically a security guard now. Interesting. I'll have to check that out. I'm pretty sure Jimmy clipped it. Was this um, was this Monday's live stream? Yeah, there was. He was talking about some. There was some, there was a port that basically it's it's basically guarded by Russians and basically they, they said that they wanted that I think it's the Black Sea or some shit like that there was that but then the guy that I was talking about the one that's work that works at my building he was watching a CNN video and they said that uh, Ukraine is gearing up to basically get Crimea and I remember it was either on the gray zone between uh, 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 Aaron uh, Aaron basically talking to that guy who basically did the article uh, Seymour Hirsch or it was him 
talking with the uh, Aramate, or it could be just Jimmy Dore show, or they said that uh, they, they said that the Crimea that they, they want to take Crimea back for some reason, but they can't. Maybe Crimea basically did a referendum. Like, doesn't that count? Okay, I'm gonna have to check that out because I know that um I missed Jimmy's show Monday night. I was doing something Monday night. I forget what it was. Oh, I was on Case Study Show. That's why. Last night I was on Case Study QB Show, so I missed Jimmy's live stream. So I'll have to check out the clips and see that. But that's that's interesting. I mean, all I can hope is that more like information comes out about what's really happening over there. And I hate to say it, but I think it'll be a couple years from now when people are Americans are like, oh, they duped us again, just like with the Iraq war, you know? Yeah, or you can check the CNN channel and just see if you can find it because he was watching CNN. I'm pretty sure it was CNN because it looked like it was Aaron Burnett's voice. I could hear. I could hear. Hmm. I'll check it out. It's almost midnight. Should I play the happy birthday song? Uh, we'll get basically do a uh, what's it called? Fifty Cent. Uh, it's your birthday. <laughs> we can do that one. Uh-huh. All right, let's do it. Let me find it. Let me pull it up real quick. Hold on. That was my jam, man. You guys don't know. We my friends. Every time that song came on, we were like, go, 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 shorty. It's your birthday. Party like it's your birthday. What was that? That was not go, shorty. Here it is. Let me see. Fuck. I hate when I get asked. I got got the video cued. Another language. It's your birthday. It's your birthday. It's your birthday. Oh, okay. 
Voting you hate nigga, you mad. I thought that you'd be happy I made it. I'm the cat by the ball, toasting to the good life. You that faggot ass nigga trying to pull me Pull back. Pull me back, boy. Jumping in the club, it's on. I'm with my eyes. You bitch, you should smash the gun. Let the motherfucker burn. Talking about money, homie. I ain't missing. I'm crazy for me, cause go ahead, spit the style up. The niggas hit the letter, make them out the money pile up. I'm weeping for upside the head with a bottle of gold. They know where we fucking be. You can find me in the club. I ain't even making love, so come give me a hug. Bourbon singing along with Tiffany. Come give me a hug. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. You can take the Jordy Porter and just add Sabby to it. <laughs> that was fun. All right, guys, I really do have to head out. Thank you so much for hanging out with me today.